Welcome to another edition of Mass Mats and Mayhem. I'm your host, Justin Harvey. You can find me on Twitter at JustinHarvey75. You can find the entire show on Twitter at MMMShow75. You can find Byron on the streets begging for money because Vanilla Ice is working on Dancing with Stars this week and not building a house. How you doing, Byron? I'm hearing some weird feedback. I'm also hearing myself buy stuff relentlessly off of bnhphotovideo.com because when I'm not working, I buy stuff that I Isn't don't Isn't that need. a little bit counter to the idea of you're not working and not getting paid and should probably be saving money and not spending copious amounts of it on a store that's 3,000 miles away in New York City? Well, I, I bought... Uh, I bought some stuff last time I was in New York. So now I'm buying it actually at the place. I buy the plane ticket. Then I go there and buy the stuff and then come home. Oh, that makes it a lot more affordable to actually fly there and not just pay shipping. That's, you save on the free two-day shipping. Um, well, as you folks have probably noticed, or if you're listening to the audio version of this later, you probably haven't noticed, um, the one of the two Lucha Gringos in the world, Casey Nielsen, is not here with us today. Um, his contract is a bit of a, a tricky thing for me these days. Basically, we renegotiated with Casey, and we kind of came up with a contract for him to keep him on the show. And part of that was, you know, we just thought we were signing a contract to basically give him a chair with a back. But also there was a clause in there about multiple episodes in a week. So apparently, because we did two episodes last week, Casey is now unavailable to us this week, even though the week before that we didn't do an episode at all. But apparently the contract states that that's basically just our fault and our bad. And since he did two last week, he doesn't have to do one this week. So he uh, declined to be on the show this week is basically what I'm saying. What do you think about that nonsense, Byron? I like how we were able to negotiate loopholes in this contract to keep him off the show. <laughs> You're a jerk. <laughs> you know, I like I like having Casey around because I don't feel like I'm smangry enough for our audience. I well, mean, he's he's the hashtag smangry one. It's nice to have someone that makes us look handsome on the show, and we don't have to dress up when he's around. That's true. That's true. Um, and we're maskless this week, but we got a few things to talk about, and um. The, the biggest one of all is going to be this episode of Lucha Underground. We, um, I've seen it multiple times now, uh, and I don't have any notes this week. So hopefully the fact that I've seen it multiple times is good enough for me to remember everything that I want to remember. But if I trip over something, people don't, don't uh, hate me. I mean, like last week on the uh, <laughs> UFC 203 recap show, I, I said that um, Mickey was <laughs> ran across the ring, even though I knew in my mind I could see CM Punk doing it. But like, I just... You know, I'm just like that sometimes. I can't help it. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Anyway, um, this week's episode of Lucha Underground, season three, episode two, The Amulet, freaking amazing. We saw it last week on the big screen, which was super duper amazing at the uh, Paley Fest at the Paley Center in Beverly Hills, which we talked about on the last show. So if you if you didn't hear some of the awesome stuff that went on there, go back and check out that podcast. Um, You know what else we did? We what else are we doing? I'm getting this weird sound on my headphones. Uh oh. Getting a weird cycly I wonder weirdness thing. I'm gonna go off my laptop speakers for uh for a couple yeah, go second. for like a few go seconds ahead. just to see if it's my headphones. Uh my expensive, soon to be obsolete corded headphones. That's not gonna happen, Byron. There's it's no way they're happen. gonna take the headphone jack off of I don't know if you guys heard this, but they're talking about 
Mac Apple sent out a survey asking Mac Pro users if they use the headphone jack on their computers. Like, we're not buying your freaking AirPods, dudes. Like, AirPods are cool and everything. I get it. They work good with a waterproof iPhone. But unless you're going to give me a Mac that I can submerge and do editing at, you know, 300 meters under the water, I want a headphone jack. Or I'm just never going to buy an Apple product again. That's the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. No, they got a... They I got can't. a... Oh, no, I yeah, I'm hearing that on my computer. Byron's got a weird uh, time warp loop going on. I wonder I wonder what the deal is. Maybe... Um, I don't know. Just hang up and dial call back. I wonder... I'm going to go... I'll live without you. I'm sure our audience will be fine without you, too. No, 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 no. I'm why, I'm why everyone watches this show and like listens. I don't want to do that to the show. Well, try just, you could log back out and come back back. That'll probably fix it. Anyway, I, so the, we saw this episode. Okay. I'm, what? I'm on the TV right now. You're on TV? On Lucha well, Underground? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and keep it in the back. I don't recommend watching the... Um, webcast of this interview while participating in it with the sound on it gets confusing <laughs> is that why you're having a weird loop no i just did that no it's like a like a pop and then a little bit of a crackle and then it goes away you're, you're... but if you don't hear it then it's just on my end and it's not yeah i think recorded. it's just on your end so as long as you can hear what i'm saying or you could just ignore me and just talk over me i guess that wouldn't be anything new either anyway the amulet, um, yes. freaking amazing episode. Like when we saw it in the theater, this is a perfect episode to see in the theater because the vignettes were like seeing a whole movie this week. It's all this concurrent story and it's, it's running together about the uh, this amulet thing. Um, and we're getting caught up on what's going on with the cops. And, you know, last week I, I was talking about i wonder what you know the cops think about dario getting sprung so fast and if that was what they wanted but i think we're starting to see now that uh there's a whole lot more at play you know we thought that delgado was pulling the strings on captain vasquez but yeah. it turns out that she kind of uh has her own plans going too and i'm glad to see that carmen perez is really there's a reason why they cast a real actress in this part i think because it's it's gonna be a meaty part yeah it's it's actually pretty crazy how much lucha underground pushed the envelope and added or they just went like way beyond normal convention in so many different ways in the show and the obvious one is the match and the violence in the match but then in this in these series of vignettes they added they added flashbacks they they told the story of this on a different narrative timeline than what we're watching in the episode because they're talking about Ultima Lucha Dos in the future at some point. And then months later, they have another scene and all of this. It's like, it's basically their take the, like the story exists in a room with like four walls, a door and a window. And then they just removed one of the walls in this episode. So now they can push further out and bend their stories to bring more into that room. And it's pretty crazy. Um, and also that what's interesting is that uh, Cortez and Joey Ryan aren't the strongest actors and they definitely were not at the beginning. 
but by the time they have all the vignettes in this episode, everything seems to have tightened up. And when you have Carmen anchoring the scenes too, that that certainly helps a great deal. Well, I think I think they're starting to fall into it, and and it was funny because being at Paley Fest here and Skip, the uh, director of the vignettes talking about it he was like you know for these guys doing these vignettes for me is the scarier thing than getting in front of a you know in a ring in front of 500 people and you know putting your body and your life in some other guy's hands they seem to have no problem doing that but you know he was talking about how the 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 cast members tend to be more nervous doing their vignettes which i believe um but reyes i think is doing great now i love him in that part oh yeah well yeah i mean this is this isn't what they know how to do. This isn't their comfort zone. Um, it's one thing to it's one thing to be able to throw a punch. They know what a good punch looks like, and then they know how to do that. But with this, there's just so there's so much. Um, but yeah, they're doing they're doing a lot better and anchoring all of the non-match, all the non-fighting um, segments of this episode with this story progression makes a lot of sense because this basically anything not in a ring had this theme to it from the soundtrack to the performance to the topic to the subject you had i mean you start off the episode with the theme with like the 70s cop show theme and right the music was great this whole episode by the way yeah i mean you're hitting the ground and they're just pulling from a library too i mean i don't think this was composed stuff i think i saw dj tweeting about it or or some one of the guys or (laughs) eb dub I mean, they're just, you know, somebody asked them where they got the music from, and it's like, oh, our editors pull it, and you and I know what that means. That means they're going through some library that is probably yeah. 93% garbage that, you know, their bosses over at MGM probably bought, and, and, you know, Burnett, like, you know, bought a set of 10 CDs, and you got to scrape through there to find decent music for all your episodes. I mean, that's, I think that's where you found Lex Luger's theme in WCW, so it's not all trash. <laughs> Well, I mean, look at UFC. They commissioned a bunch of songs, and they are trash. I mean, they're yeah. still using that one. Like, you know, 1999 <laughs> new metal song is their theme song. And they had that like- written for UFC. Oh, God. No, if you're not going to if, if you're not gonna license music that we know, like uh, if you're not going to walk down to the ring to... Um, to Cult of uh, Personality? Cult of personality, then it's all the same garbage that we don't know. I mean, it's going to be the same if you do royalty free and license, or if you have it commissioned, it's music people don't know. Yeah. You know? That, by the way, was my favorite part of C- CM Punk's entire <laughs> existence in the UFC was getting to see him come out to the Living Color Jam again, his walk to yeah. the ring. That actually had me pumped for half a second. And then the match started and I remembered what the hell I was watching. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I forgot. This is where this is going. <laughs> I was thinking like he was remarkably well, his his mood and, and attitude was remarkably like uplifted. Chipper? Chipper. He yeah. was real happy. He's not supposed And it's great for him that that was his goal and he gets to do it. But he and when he was walking around the ring, like he, I thought like he walked around and he walked in front of Gaul as a way to sort of impose himself upon his space. And Gaul reacted a little bit if you if you notice the small things uh, before the match started. But I think it was just him having a blast. And then, and then he just kind of lost the fight and tapped out like you were complaining about. He didn't 
seem <laughs> like you ever flipped the switch. You thought he was going to spar somebody. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so this Anyways. first the first segment, UFC review. You know, let me get back to Ricky Reyes. Yes, Mister. What, what's he Castro. doing? No, as the cop, they actually call him Reyes, right? Yeah, she calls him Reyes as the cop, right? I don't know was I mistaken? Okay, so he's he's got. And they got Joey's last name in there what's too. What's that? They got Joey's last name in there too. Oh, which is Officer Meehan. So he's the. Right, so they get to use their real names as the cops, and then their work names as in-ring performers. That's pretty cool. That's it's something a show you don't really. It's a show that has layers. Um, they made it that way on purpose, so that way, every time you watch it, you get some new out of it. I think. Yeah, and I, I don't think I had ever caught that before, but I'm sure it's probably been the case the whole time. Um, anyway, so you know, we're going back in time here a little bit, but but Reyes, um. They're not very happy with how this whole thing went down with Dario going to jail and whatnot. And I mean, what did you just think of the whole setup of where this was headed? I'm glad I've seen it three times by now because, <laughs> because of the flashbacks and because it's the same room over and over again. It was a little bit hard to sort of follow it at first um, that it's that there were different time periods. Like it would have been cool if they had like may whatever and then months that come after may so that way you could they would actually tell you where it hits on a calendar uh, but it well, was we're basically starting right after ultima lucha dose right no no before starts before, because i won't yeah. they're talking about bringing him in and and captain vasquez says hey i found out that uh we're gonna go arrest dario at ultima lucha dose and they go that's cool and she's like no and they arrested him, right? So that was so she clearly, and that was our first. That was our first hint to the fact that that Captain Hotness Vasquez has something else on her plate. Like, wait, we thought yeah. you wanted to get Dario. What's wrong? We got him on tape, murdering. Rest in peace, Mister Cisco. But he's a gatekeeper, um, right? So they didn't want to bring Dario in at that point, or she didn't. She didn't, and it took uh, Cortez. Like three months to figure that out, I guess. <laughs> right. So then we have the then we have the lapse in time, and Cortez has been gone. But you, you think she suspended him? I wish they he's didn't come back and make a decision of which I, side he's going to be on. Whatever happened, I'm very disappointed they didn't do the badge and the gun, hand over your badge and gun bit that you do in every cop movie. Oh, and then he could have gotten it back when he came back and told her he was on her side. I really wish they did that. That would have been incredible. Um, that could have been cool. It's, I mean, they, they're hitting all the other check marks on the list for that genre, you know. But it was cool. But I think what they're really establishing is that Captain, and with the vignette before, um, with the amulet that we need to talk about, they're really establishing that it's not like uh, Captain Vasquez is working against her boss, but she's she's going off off book off the record or you know out beyond her job like when you put all the pieces together you realize she's potentially hunting someone she's been hunting for a thousand years yeah or protecting something i mean you or know that. just it depends on what it is so let's talk about the thousand years ago 
this segment where we've got this this warrior and presumably his daughter or or somebody and he's you know what you know what that reminded me of um um alberto del rio and page the two of them <laughs> no the age difference was a little closer i think than those two yeah that's true <laughs> Oh, and I want to get into ADR too. I'm so I'm baffled and confused by his entire existence at this point. Oh, he's yeah, doing I'm still great. halfway interested to see what he's doing. Um, yeah, so you go back in time here, and um, I noticed there were some comments about like, you know, oh, does that make Aerostar the same age as, as Captain Vasquez? And that doesn't work at all because Aerostar's a time traveler, so he's only as old as he's been alive. Because apparently yeah, this not- amulet... It only works for the lady folks. Yes. Which so I think Aerostar is a, isn't immortal. That's ridiculous. That's silly. Right. You know, that was my comment back about it on Twitter was, no, Aerostar is a time traveler. So he may be from the same time. We don't even necessarily know. Um, yeah. But yeah, just because he can travel a thousand years doesn't mean that he's a thousand years old. Yeah. Obviously. Anyway, you know, Aerostar so, could be. This girl's given the amulet from her grandfather or this old man because uh, he's dying and he needs this little girl to continue the fight for him. Yeah, but how fight. was he ever in the fight if it doesn't work for women or for guys? I mean, he's well, that's why he was Obviously, dying. he was just, just kind of keeping it away from someone else, I guess, at that point. You would think that he would have figured out that he should have just gotten a woman warrior before moments before he was dying. Yeah, you know. Maybe a like, little girl, not such a good option. But I like the fact that they also included that when she became a woman was when the power yeah. would become effective. Well, so hold so on. That we don't have Captain, some eight-year-old wrestling all the time in Lucha Underground because that'd be really kind of creepy and weird. I mean, so when does that happen? You know, it, like thirteen? You know well, what I mean? Well, I guess that would depend on what age Vasquez is because if she's the person that is getting the amulet, which I think we're being led to believe she is the one that initially receives the amulet. Yeah, the first time I watched it, I thought it was Katrina because I had Katrina in my head as the immortal person, and then that answered the question. Right. Line. And 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 right. I said we would talk about this that this week, but Katrina is only 197 years old. Yeah. Which I'll get into in a minute, but so we're assuming at this point because of the transition out of this flashback where this warrior is giving this warrior child a thousand years ago, this amulet of immortality that only works for fully matured women, um, that she is in fact that woman, or it could be that she was another woman somewhere along the timeline that, that the amulet was passed to. Um, or it could be that she doesn't even know that, that the amulet has that power. Now, here's the other, you know, question. Mm. All she has in the present day, all Captain Vasquez has is half of the amulet. Yes. So the question then becomes, does half of the amulet bestow all of the power? That's, yeah, there's so many, There, this felt like it gave a lot of answers until you start thinking about it and it only gave you more questions. Um, yeah, you have that, like, is Captain Vasquez holding on to more or less a piece of evidence? Or did she lose half of it? Was it was half of it handed down and she's on a quest to find the other half? Or did she lose the other half? She's right. So we don't back. know or, that she's what? necessarily and immortal. Then, and then Katrina, does she right. need this for her immortality? Is she already one of those ghost people 
or does she need the other half for what she's using Mil Muertes for, for like capturing people so she can get life forces out of people? Well, yeah, and so and that's that becomes the real question because we all know that Katrina is older than she should be. She has powers that uh, mm -hmm. are not of a normal realm. Um, she looks great and, for her age, though. Yeah, she definitely does. Um, even though she was wearing white at the Paley Fest, which I thought was very strange. She wasn't wearing her customary black attire at Paley Fest. Anyway, her, her black painted on pleather suits. Yeah, it really, it really does look like it goes on with a brush, doesn't it? Um, so at the end, we see her with the other half of the amulet. I'm kind of putting this whole story together because I don't yeah. think it makes sense to just talk about it in little pieces because it's kind of a bigger picture here. So you've got Captain Vasquez has half the amulet. Katrina has half this uh, amulet of immortality that only works on fully matured women. And now we have to figure out, we know that Katrina is somewhat immortal because she's. we've been told that she's 197 or whatever. But she's and almost she 200 years old. And she teleports. I don't know if that, has, if that power comes from the amulet or not. She might just be something else. But we're getting into some serious dust till dawn level mythology here. You know, we saw an episode of that recently too. And I've been... Yeah you know, watching the show in the past, but it's like that kind of mythology that you're dealing with here. You're talking about ancient Aztec stuff and curses and, and certain people who have more powers in the end of days. And it looks like to me, Vasquez is here to fight against the end of days. She wants yeah. to leave Dario in play because maybe she's trying to draw out the big boss. She's trying to maybe draw out the other half of the amulet. Um, my theory is kind of this. I think that, uh, Vasquez is the little girl from the past. Um, I think that she had the whole amulet for a long time, and then something happened in the past that allowed Katrina to get half the amulet, which is why Katrina has lived as long as she has. And now maybe right now they're not 100% immortal, but having half of it probably extends them long enough that they're not dying yet, they're, that they have certain powers. Um, of youth and longevity, but maybe not immortality because the amulet's not together, which is going to lead Katrina especially to probably want to bring that amulet together in some fashion. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to see her pose a in-person challenge in the temple to Captain Vasquez to get that amulet back, but I have a feeling that maybe representatives of Vasquez or somewhere down the line, maybe not even this season. I don't know that we'll see that play into the storyline of, you know, power struggles of trying to get both pieces of this amulet back together. And I think initially it'll probably play out between these two women. And then I think after that, we'll see how it fits into the bigger puzzle. I really think that DJ is working on like a five or six year plan at this point for the storyline. Yeah. And maybe I'm crazy, but I think it's not going to be a short term thing at all. Well, it's it's crazy how much when when he's when he and Roach and all of them are writing well thought out and well executed complex stories with follow through, how much they stretch out. You know? Yeah, and I think this is one of them. I think this is a piece of the puzzle that they've probably had for a while. I mean, it makes sense with the Katrina's age thing. Uh, I was surprised to see Captain Vasquez thrown in there, but I think that's awesome. I, I think, think it's that, a thing where they're adversaries, but maybe they don't know how close they are to each other. Maybe. And at some point, whenever it happens, 
they'll bump into each other in a temple. We'll see. We'll see. I know, uh, I think Carmen was out the, at the temple, but I never saw her taping anything. So <laughs> you never know, which is pretty cool. I figured she was just doing vignettes backstage and she just came to watch to see the product in person that she's been a part of. But yeah. maybe she came and filmed some craziness. Maybe she did some stuff. Who knows? I really, I really wonder. I mean, there's no way you could wrestle a match in an empty temple and then add B-roll to it. Uh, don't tell that to TNA, who seems to think that uh, telling all of their fans and viewers to not show up for a match is a good way to go. No, but they're advertising an empty arena match, and it's like, well, how is that different than any other one? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what their gimmick is with that. TNA, I was just, I was yeah. like, what? Do you think this is going to pop a number of a fact that you've created a match that's so that nobody even wants to see it live? I mean, come on. I feel bad because Rockstar Spud is in it, and I think he does good work. And from what I've from what I've seen of his character stuff, I think it's all right. I think it's good, and you know, really good for him. I don't want to put him down at all. I don't know the other guy, so I don't really care about him being in a match. But I have no desire to see Rockstar Spud wrestle. In an empty no. building. Anyway, so. well, it's just, I don't, it's weird. I want to watch TNA, but I really don't more than I want to. So, um, I want to see this the is a crazy story. get over, but I don't want to see the product. That's my, my issue yeah. with TNA. But so, um, this is the big story here. I love this stuff with the amulet. I'm glad that the episode was named that. Um, we do have a couple of other things to talk about. You know, what'd be really great. Since um, you stopped talking on my computer screen because am, um, it froze. He, gave goods. he uh, Joey Ryan gave up the goods oh. super fast on Ricky and the whole shit to Dario, and apparently he got some kids to feed. That, but look at you see what happened. He strong armed Dario, and you know. By the way, out of all the things that we're discussing and that we may predict, um. On the show, I will guarantee that Joey Ryan is maybe he has child support payments, but I guarantee that's not what he's spending the money on. You really don't think so? That guy's I don't think he's spending I don't think he's paying any of his child support payments. Look you at him. You think he's spending it on blow pops? Maybe. <laughs> Either of them. <laughs> he does it. But here's Joey my, here's Ryan my thing in the temple the child support thing. why I thought it was strange. <laughs> Joey Ryan strikes me as the kind of guy who has stock in Trojan. Like, Joey, I, I feel like Joey's smart enough to not be running around having uh, unprotected, you know, lovemaking. But the character, Joey Ryan, in the show, office, the character, Officer Meehan, in the show, raw dogs it relentlessly. All right. So he's got a little, little wilt, wilt the stilt in him. I can it's see a that. lot of yeah. It's just it's just more character development, you know. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious though. It was amazing. Like I couldn't even come up with a good tweet for it because I was just laughing so hard at at Joey and his yeah. multiples out there, his his chillings. Um, a parallel but, to make those the last guy I think to hold Dario up for cash, yeah, was Big Rick. Yeah, and Big I don't Rick's think this goes a prop now, like. I was half proud of Joey at first for, for picking Dario's side. And I was like, yeah, somebody's got a side with Hefe. That's the good way to go. And then I was like, 
oh, but this is not the way to do it. Hefe is going to put you in the ground, dude. You are going to be Matanza soup mm -hmm. if you go this route, dude. This is not the way to go. Mm -hmm. He's going to get Reyes first, and then he's going to get you. Like, I, obviously, I feel like this is leading to, you know, in the temple, hopefully something, you know, with either Reyes and Matanza, which would be crazy, or Joey and, and Reyes and seeing them have some kind of in-ring feud or whatever, because obviously now they're on opposite sides. The lines have been drawn, or maybe they have to tag together for a while with all this tension. Um, clearly, they won't be a trios anymore. <laughs> but uh, oh. it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see uh, where it goes from there, just with the in-ring portion of it, because I feel like, you know, the Lucha Underground guys are geniuses. They're still setting up an in-ring in action with this, too. I'm glad um, that the crew got to turn face before they, before the remaining two of them are most likely one of them's dead. The other one will probably, he, he looks like he's on his way. At I don't least know. they I'm, got their face turned. I feel like this is crazy because I feel like one of the two of them is probably going to die this season, like die. And I don't know which one it is. I feel like well, it the could crew. be. So I'm talking about the crew, like uh, the two remaining. Yeah. Um, you have uh, Chulo. Yeah. And and Cortez. And um, I get mixed up with uh, their ring names sometimes and then what they call each other. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you have you have those two guys. And, and Chulo got just bludgeoned to death yeah. by a toy bull. But he got that face turn. Like he he got to enjoy the spotlight of being a hero for a few weeks beforehand, yeah. which is great. And Cortez got to as well. But he has to think. He has to have some sort of inkling that that he's giving himself up for the greater good. Going back to the temple for this end of days thing. I mean, but maybe it goes his way. Maybe Joey's the guy that we that we see die. You know. He's, Maybe Joey just has syphilis and he ends up running out of steam and dies in the ring from that. Yeah, we'll see. So anyway, I think it's a great setup. Um, I think we got some cool cops and robber stuff in there. I think we got amazing mythology on the level of, you know, a show like Dust Till Dawn or something with this, this deep, weird, mysterious. Well, you're watching the show. Um, what? The first match. Yes. What? I said the first match. Did I drop out? Yeah. The first match was a short match, and it's not just because Masquerita was in it. Um, the doctor was in the house. <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked to have Wagner. I, some people kind of look at him like an ADR or one of these guys who's been around forever that might not necessarily deserve all the rub or whatever, but I, I've always been a Dr. Wagner fan. I love the dude. He's been around a millennia and you know, he can still go though. He yeah. can still go. He, he seems to play ball with the bookings. Um, and I, you know, he's one of these guys when he came in at the end of season two, I was like, Oh, that's going to be a, a one-off. We're not going to see him again, but here he is. And <laughs> Of mm -hmm. all the people you could have him wrestle, like he's not going against Tejano or Daga or, you know, <laughs> his first regular match in the temple, <laughs> and he draws Masquerita, which makes sense because it's playing out the whole thing with Famous B and Brenda from last season, but it's hilarious. I mean, it's just like, yeah. wow. There's so many elements to this 
this match, this short match, there's so many elements though that we could talk about that were outstanding. Like number one, um, it's incredible to be on Twitter when Famous B takes the microphone from Melissa. People get legit mad. They're like, I like the pretty girl. Why is he being mean to the pretty girl? And then they become like, uh, oh, what's what's the term for when for when um, uh, you f like you're trying to be really nice to a stripper? So uh, so that way, you know, there's a word so, for that. I don't think I've ever done that. There's some sort of word for that where we're like you're trying to be really like uh, you're trying to like save. <laughs> I just love watching you try to rack your brain on on stripper club uh, terminology. I have no idea where you're going with this. Well, you just have a bunch of guys on Twitter who probably haven't seen their feet in decades tweeting at Famous B to leave Melissa alone. Like, they're going to be her, like, white knight, you know, that's going to save her from his persecution, and then she'll end up liking them. You know, it's crazy. Like this one guy on Twitter was doing was like telling Famous B to fuck off and then like threatening to kill him. The Famous B just replied like, ha ha ha. And I went to this guy's profile and he's just tweeting pictures at female wrestlers of them. Like there's the old picture of Asuka before she was Asuka when she was still Kana. And it's a swimsuit picture taken from like right below her butt looking up. It's basically a picture of her butt. And then he tweets that at her and says, I would like to be inside this. Right. And then this guy's trying to save Melissa from famous B. And uh, it's just, it's amazing to see all these sociopath, like morons come out of the woodworks when famous B takes the mic from Melissa. That's the first thing. It's more, it's more amazing that you stalked them down and found out all this information about them. I want to, I just, I'm curious by nature and I want to know what people's stories are. Well, the match was awesome. There's not much to say about it. Uh, Dr. Driver on the little guy and mm -hmm. just a complete smash. There was a great camera angle from the crowd, a wide shot of the ring, like a dirty over the shoulder thing, which we saw at Paley, which we talked about at Paley Center. That was really cool. That was a change up in the presentation. And I loved Famous B's face when he did the stethoscope and checked for a pulse afterwards. And he looks up at Dr. Wagner, like oh, like in the old Jean-Claude Van Damme movies when someone great. gets killed, like, ah! And then he goes nuts. It was great. I wish they had five more minutes just to show them in a ring after the match. Well, in a show that has more than one monster, um, you can't just let the doctor get the only squash match of the night. So... Um, our friend Mil Muertes decided that he wanted to come and uh, smash one of his right. friends, uh, Arhenis. Oh. What happened there? One of his old buddies? Yeah. Oh, Case Fabe would not be happy at that. Oh, don't worry about Case Fabe. Tell me about it. I'll be right back. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Arhenis uh, had a valiant effort um, against the man of a thousand deaths. Uh, Katrina was there to support Melmoretes. Um, and um, Arhenis did a couple flippy things, which is cool. But ultimately, he got running power bombed on the back of his head, speared. He got punched in the face, and then he got flatlinered. I think Stryker's mic was malfunctioning because. Um, 
it was going like beep 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 like when the battery slow on a microphone i guess no striker's thing was awesome that was the best part of the entire thing with striker doing the flat line <laughs> i mean that was also more than half of the entire match yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it was cool it's Which, good it's good to add that personality to uh uh, you know, a match that doesn't have much else to it. Well, no, it's great too, because like, you know, they found two awesome squash matches to put in an episode that obviously needed a whole lot of breathing room for the WMD weapons of mass destruction match, which deserved every second of airtime it got, yeah. you know, and, and they're plugging in a lot of, of, of the, these vignettes, too. They could have had longer matches in the episode, but then the vignettes would not have been able to breathe like yeah. they did. So, look, you got two squash matches. I know some people were complaining about, like, geez, what the hell's going on here? But I, I loved those squash matches. I thought they were perfect to get some guys the, the heat that they needed, especially Mill and, and Wagner. Though I, I can't imagine that was a cheap thing to have Wagner come all the way in, probably pay him a lot of money and have him just squash Masquerita. <laughs> well, you know, but they'll hey, whatever. They'll get what they can. They'll get the whole day, the whole weekend or whatever is worth of filming. Yeah, and I was I don't think actually I think I was at the Masquerita one. Was that taped the first weekend or was that taped later? They taped so out of order last season. Who even knows? I remember um, it was taped. I remember that they recorded it. Yeah. Well so you know I, again, I wasn't there for some of those, so he could have done four matches that day for all I know, and then they could have a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, he certainly wasn't winded after that one. But so yeah. this this episode not only has these amazing vignettes and has created all this mythology, but it has this match that is, you know, at the second episode of the season is now already a candidate for match of the year. I mean, I felt like this was probably better than most of the stuff at Ultima Lucha Dos and Ultima Lucha so. Dos was amazing. Yeah. And here we are, episode two. It's not the premiere episode. It's just, you know, the second episode of the season. Hey, guys, let us throw this little bit of complete awesome magic at you. But it's also great that even though they operate in a season structure with their stories, their stories don't have to line up. Like, yeah, if you have WrestleMania, but you don't have a storyline or storyline kind of started too close to WrestleMania to really do its thing. They don't rush it for the big show. They can still give it everything that it deserves a few shows after that, which is, which is awesome. in Lucha is that another thing about how they're not so constrained by all these boundaries. So like, we don't need to wrap up this, this mid card storyline. At Ultima Lucha Dos, well, no, it'll get because, buried you know, in there we too. Thought, we thought this storyline was going to be wrapped up last season. Yeah, but and, now it airs. You know, I was ticked initially. It was like I was kind of like, "Wow, they mm -hmm. really didn't wrap up Marty Killshot. They didn't bring some closure to that." And yeah. they kind of did it towards the end of the season. But it's like now I'm like, "Well, crap! I'm glad they didn't because this is a phenomenal way to end this dog tag story." Mm -hmm. And now it's to the point where. I'm mad that they did end it. I'm like, oh, crap, I want to see these guys wrestle yeah. some more. Like, are they going to fight some more? Is this feud actually over? Um, can they be a tag team together now? Like, what can we do with Killshot and Marty? Because, um, like I said, man, this is in my list easily, immediately, yeah. for one of the matches of the year. Killshot and Marty the Moth both deserve, and, and Melissa, too. Um, I'm glad she lived. <laughs> yeah, but she was a strong element 
add you know additional element in the story of this match too yeah you not know, like melissa, melissa santos i say melissa church uh well i'm um, sorry i meant melissa Mariposa. santos Mariposa i was talking was about was oh my god Mariposa. i remember live i was so worried because she fell and hit her head on the ropes yeah yeah oh. that was that oh. spot was she overshot the table it's not where it, normally you don't want to do that well, I mean, Normally. look, that ladder was so big. It was a little bit wider, I think, than wrestlers are used to. So yeah. normally on a regular-sized ladder, you know, for like a ladder match for a belt or whatever, you'd be further into the middle of the ring. So the fall that she did was timed out right for a smaller ladder. Oh. But I think she threw herself a little further back, and, you know, she still luckily caught the table with her butt, and then her head was like... yeah. She was fine, and it was a good spot, but yeah. dang, it was gnarly. Um, and we're talking also, about the towards the end of the match where Mariposa yeah. does the run-in. She climbs the ladder. Killshot finally gets her off, and she uh, falls down and go boom. I, 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 moths are real good at flying. Apparently, they're no good at landing. <laughs> uh, they're also uh, very good at headbutting the bottom of feet. Because <laughs> he did that a lot. Um, it's it, They did a great job of that, too, because... Uh, you know, you, you don't like to have interference in matches. You want to have clean matches. But when you when you broaden your perspective and it's a story being told, um, of course, Mary Posa is going to interfere in this match. She's going to run down. She's part of the story. She's part of the characters or the cast in this. In this, yeah. And I was show. I was glad they kept it for the finish too, because a lot of times you'd see that run in way earlier, and then you get back to ten minutes of the match. I liked it playing out yeah. a lot closer to the ending. Yeah, and they did it in a way where it didn't really affect. It, it's basically you see Killshot thwarting her attempt, and she gets to do a cool bump, but you still get the whole match. You still get the end, um, as it should be presented. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I'll just talk about the finish right now. The uh, dead to rights double stomp off the top of the ladder through the tape. Like, wow. I mean, match of the year, that has to be the move or the spot, whatever you want to call it in kayfabe of the year. Well, yeah, and that spot in the past, um, I'm not going to lie, as much as I love Killshot, that spot in the past has looked kind of gnarly. There's been a few times mm -hmm. where he's done that spot and the bumps on the other side of it have not looked super groovy. So here you are, <laughs> <laughs> and you're setting up like the ultimate version of this spot now, and it's just like, oh, I hope they've got this thing dialed now because this is kind of a crazy spot to begin with. Yeah. And uh, it looked pretty flawless right there. You know, kudos on the finish, the, the ending, no kick, no movement from Marty. <laughs> I loved oh. it. And he had kicked out of that, that double stomp, the regular version earlier, which was pretty amazing. You know, the um, kid, Marty never hit his finish, right? He never hit the curb stomp. No. I don't uh, – not that I remember. Um, you know, and what, what do you think was the craziest spot in this? Because you had the, oh. the back bump off the ropes onto the ammo boxes, which didn't give. <laughs> no. That was crazy. Then you had the back bump onto the ladder that was across the, uh, the camera platform oh, to the ring. The Death Valley driver? Yeah. Wow sort of um that was on the, i don't know if that was supposed to be on the edge but that was on the edge of the ladder so you have the edge and then you have another fall to the ground after that and there that was, was an apron spot that was a tease to a spot with that same ladder before 
They did an apron. The German? Yeah. Oh. On the, just like, it was just crazy where they were going with the whole thing. It was, it was nuts. And one of those, one of the um, issues or problems that you can, you know, the corners you could work yourself into with those matches is you're escalating. You just keep escalating and escalating. And eventually, when you kick out of your finish three times, you hit each other in the head with ladders 15 times and all of this stuff. Um, you, where do you go from there? What do you have that's going to be a, a believable finish when you have the, the slam on the ladder, when you have the power bomb to the outside the ring, right? When you have everything that happens, like kill shot kicks Marty in the head hard repeatedly after one of them uh cj De Niro in the ring threw down a couple crotch chops which was incredible that was, was a highlight amped. cj was amped dude that was amazing and that works because marty is uh is not only a pure heel he's not a cool heel he's a pure heel in the temple but he also frequently harasses melissa santos who is um a, a favorite among the fans so yeah. you could see how, by that extension, a fan would be mad at him as opposed to shades of gray or cool heels and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I thought that was a nice addition to the presentation and it made <laughs> sense. And by the way, great form on the crotch shops. Fantastic form. Well, you're giving him a lot of props. You got a lot of camera time yourself, man. The shot on you after the break earlier in the show, just it lingered on you for a long, long, inexplicably long period of time. Yeah. Why? I mean, why would I they would, do that? Why would they waste I, camera time with all these awesome vignettes? I, I guess the squash matches were too short. They had to. I fill. think. I think you have to watch for later episodes to see why they're really establishing visually that I'm in the temple, perhaps without giving it away. I think they're just getting you out of the way so they can get to the good stuff when I show up. Uh, probably around <laughs> episode four or five. How many did they uh, film that first weekend? Because I didn't go to any of the first weekend. So if they filmed four or five. They filmed so much. I really, uh, I don't, I won't be I don't know, no spoilers and all of that. But I do know that their shooting schedule on purpose um, tried to screw things up, um, and also just for scheduling. You know, like you right. mentioned, Doctor Wagner Jr. is expensive. Well, they probably only brought him in for Saturday. They shot everything on Saturday and sent him home instead of one match Saturday, one match Sunday. You know, right? Yeah, um, it makes sense. So they're all over the place, and I really couldn't predict anything. I mean, I, it's, I just remember watching this match. Out, My mind was blown the whole time. It's not hard. You don't have to try and, you know, amp it up to, to you know, provide a good camera, you know, crowd cutaway. Um, you're, you're not thinking about the cameras. You're watching two guys. No, in fact, films. half the time they put the camera on you to get that shot of you, and I'm like, get me. Ah! Ah, get out of you my way, dude. What happens? <laughs> I'm trying to see. You want to yeah, see what like, But a match like that, you have to clean up. I know up I'm doing this. Like, but I was like, yeah. dude, don't get the camera out of my face. I don't care about my reaction shot. You can cut, I'll, I'll do a cutaway for you after the match. What's up, bro? But yeah. <laughs> but yet, <laughs> I know how this works. You have to clean a match like that up to present on TV because it breathes differently live and there's a different tempo live or maybe just your body hurts. So you lied on the ground for two minutes live. Well, but, you know, here's one of the things that surprised me about the tempo of the match. Um, Marty's blade job was real early. 
Yeah. Like they're doing the spot up by the boxes and the way the boxes were set up, he went right down and did the, you know, and, and got himself or whatever. Um, but it seemed like it wasn't very juicy and I feel like he went back to it and dug it out some later. Did he, did he flare it up some later? I, I think so. Unconfirmed. I don't know if he went up to Vampiro and got a couple Harley race knuckles on the eyebrows. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I'm sure I Vampiro wanna, would not have had any problem doing that. I do want to unofficially congratulate Vampiro on this match. Yeah, this had incredible. to be one of his. And I mean, you could hear him marking out on commentary talk. I mean, he he's was talking feet. Going nuts. But he's also talking on commentary like he's sending a love letter to somebody and he's really talking about the violence. They, like when they pick up the, the grenade shells or whatever and Marty is just juicing everywhere into his face paint and Killshot's doing ridiculous apron spots. Vamp is just like popping like he's proposing to this match. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I really like this match. I'm Vampiro. This is a really good match. I really think it's a great match. The match that I agented it's I'm sure he did. Right. Uh, I mean, it yeah. has to have been him. They all, they're the agents have all their different specialties, which is actually pretty interesting. If you look at Vampiro, London, and Chavo. Look, if I was going to go into a ring and it was going to be my job to try to, you know, create a snuff film and murder somebody in front of 500 people, I would definitely want Vampiro to be the, mm-hmm. the person choreographing it. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's just me. It's, it's it's great. They have that diversity in that way, you know, they can deliver on various different levels, but um, it was crazy. Uh, the one thing though, when I, where I was sitting live, which you know where I was sitting, cause you saw me half the match. Um, it was on the other side of the ladder for the finish. And when they are going up and they're setting that up, especially live, like they take a little bit more time you, and you can begin to tell what they're going to do. And this is like a double stomp that's supposed to be on the face and now off the top of this scary tall ladder through a table. Yeah, that ladder was ridiculous. That was like the ladder they used to clean the windows on the Citibank building or something. That thing, I mean, that's the stupidest, tallest ladder I think I've seen in one of these matches in a long time. Yeah, we didn't see the actual in the middle of the ring. Like you've seen ladders that tall in (laughs) tables, ladders, and chairs matches in WWE, but they're always the ones on the outside. They never Mm -hmm. bring ones that tall into the ring. But you know, in season four, they're now going to put that ladder in the inside of the ring and then jump to outside of the ring off the top. (laughs) Yeah, let's wait for Angelico to be healed up so he can do that and break something else. (laughs) He'll probably be fine after that, but he'll break his arm. He'll break, break his arm his on the way to the ring in the next match after. <laughs> He'll do an arm drag, but his arm will stay with the guy he just threw. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. Um, yeah, so a lot of, I, you know, I th- was it you or J-Man? Somebody was pointing out some of the Reddit comments about this match. Oh, uh, it was me. Um, and people comparing it to like, yeah. like, oh, when Lucha Underground does a match this violent, it's all brilliant. But, you know, in CZW, people would be condemning it and and whatnot. Like, First of all, that's not ever going to be me. I'm an old school ECW fan. I'm like, if the finish doesn't involve tacks on a flaming table and New Jack hurling himself off the balcony through like five chairs and a bookshelf, then it's not even a finish to me. So <laughs> I, I certainly am not the person that would say that. But I, I get where what they're saying. And I feel like Lucha Underground exists in a place where they can do this from time to time it's not Mm going to be all of them like you know the the boyle heights bar fight had some crazy stuff in it and you know a couple of these other matches and throwing mundo and alberto throwing each other through windows and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff like i think lucha underground's a place where 
you can do occasionally these hardcore style CZW or ECW or you know XPW style oh, XPW. crazy hardcore. Oh. Yeah, they had a few good ones. I mean, that was probably the best stuff in XPW, you know. Well, just, but I mean, as a company, I wouldn't. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying. Like I don't, but I don't think it's as pointless as you know. And I like CCW, but I don't think it's as pointless as it is there. I think that yeah. these guys are doing it for a national TV audience. They're actually going to get real kudos for it, and it's going to be part of a show that has a storyline arc. So. I think the longevity of these shows and of this show in general is going to be better than a lot of wrestling shows. It's not going to be as transient and come and go as, you know, a lot of these other wrestling shows like these other guys. It's like, you know, you want to see something like this in CZW, you got to go buy the internet feed or the, the one episode, the tape or, and like how many people have seen it, mm-hmm. you know, as much yeah. as Lucha Underground might not be as high rated as WWE, at least a lot of people are seeing it and it's kind of more, immortalized here than it would be there so to me it's like at least if you're going to do it do it occasionally do it big do it right have it worked out well like you said the pacing of this match where you're doing spots that are escalating on this level was still great um Mm -hmm. and i'd like to see you know if lucha underground can keep up in the ante on matches like this without getting too ridiculous and showing some of these other promotions that they don't have to kill two dudes with cattle prods and barbed wire but can still do hardcore matches from time to time that are quality like this one was because this was a hardcore match let's face it this was not it's you know expert uh technical wrestling here and there were some of that and some great moves but this was a hardcore match i mean they brawled around the whole building for five minutes before they even got to the ring Mm -hmm. yeah it was um it was ultimately like what you're used to seeing old school um old school like storyline development angle development you're used to seeing the cage match when there's no other options between two guys who hate each other yeah and that's what this feud did like to the point where we we thought this was going to be wrapped up last season it was like even dario said like you might be done with him but guess what he's not done with you we're going to finish this once and for all weapons of mass destruction Mm -hmm. this is how you book wrestling people you let a feud play out. You let it gestate. You go back and forth a little bit. You find <laughs> new variances on it. And then you give us something big and worthy of a payoff. This had, was a big, big match. And these two guys showed out in this match. These are two young guys that if they are not on your radar now, if they're not you're in your top 10 of guys to watch, moving forward then you are just wrong you hate wrestling you should stop watching it these guys Mm -hmm. are fucking amazing um and what they did and how they turned a corner both of these guys and we saw them come in we saw them early at lucha underground um these are guys that worked for it and were more and more impressive every week to the point where i don't think their characters were supposed to be as big as they are now and i don't think that i wonder there's a limit on it. I think that these guys could be at the top of the card in a year in Lucha Underground. And then if they wanted to go somewhere else, probably could have their pick of, of where to go and what to do. Well, they're going to be huge stars. They main evented. They had a huge main event on Wednesday. Yeah. Which is that was it. And, I mean, uh, EV dub to bring it back to Twitter. EV dub uh, posted a picture of him and Marty. Cause they met on the old school Steve Austin tough enough. And 
and it's great to see that not only has Marty come from season one, being the nerd outside who wanted to be a part of the show, that you know, almost like being like one of us. I want to be in the ring. I want to be in the temple. Blah blah blah. And there's nobody thought he'd ever win a match. Now this guy, and he's you know, he's gotten in great shape, and he's developed this incredible character that's so interesting to watch. And he's in these incredible stories, doing these matches, throwing his head into walls. You know, it's yeah, incredible it's now. Crazy. Like he's done that, and Killshot as well has done that. Um, in I've seen a rise from that level in Lucha. Um, but it's great to see, uh, you know, like Evie Dub remembered him and I think brought him in because he saw something in him. And Lucha Underground um, is that place where they will truly, if they see something in you, they will well, and now, bring and it look, out of you. The other, the other great news for us is I think that these guys have set the bar for other guys who are coming in who aren't as well known in the future that like, this is where you come, you come and prove yourself. But if you do, and if you do this, if you can get your character to this level and you can get your in ring to this level and you can put it out there and do it safely, but do an awesome, exciting match for people to watch that people are going to talk about and, and make a match of the year candidate, then you can make something out of yourself in this business and, Mm -hmm. and do it with an awesome company. Um, I don't even have, Go ahead. There was another tweet. Someone tweeted, um, who knew that Marty and, and Killshot had this in them? And Marty uh, replied, well, we definitely could tell. We definitely, I know like stuff, we were picking up on stuff, but at Ultimate Chidosa and Battle Royal, being there live, these two really stood out. Uh, but uh, he tweeted that and then, or someone tweeted that, and then Marty quoted and replied, we did, which is, it's really great to see, you know, them feeling the accomplishment of what they did. We do have a question on the YouTube. If you you can also uh, watch us do these live on YouTube. Oh, um, what's the question? I'm glad uh, you're monitoring it because I'm in the uh, Google Hangouts window. Albert C wants to know. It's Alberto, who has an awesome cat. Uh, wants to know how many stars would you give WMD? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. I mean, what's the scale we're talking about here? I don't know. I was, I don't, I'd probably say 73 it, stars. 73 stars. I'm going to give it a four-star general. It was a weapons of mass destruction, so four stars, because that's the general. That's as high as you can get oh. with stars in the army. Well, right? if you're, but what, the president gets five, right? It depends on who the president is. Oh. <laughs> How many? Would, um, how many would Trump get when he's? No, president? so I'll I'll say this. Like, honestly, I think you could top this match. Um, but of the stuff I've seen this year, it's up there. Mm-hmm. It's way, 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 way far up there. I mean, we're talking in the the ninety seventh percentile here. Um, it was a I total package. Yeah, and I think there's room to beat a match like this. There. there there were some rest holds. There were some slower stuff. There were, you know, if you could get a match like this to happen with uh, a little more technical stuff and maybe a little high flying in there too and a little bit of mat wrestling, like in some strong style, like if you could work a few more things in there, it would be a perfect, perfect match. And this is just me nitpicking at this Albert, point. 
Alberto wants it on a scale of one to five, apparently. So my seventy-three stars. Okay, on a scale of one, <laughs> on a scale of one to five, I'm going to give it a four point two. Yeah, I would give it a four. I, I agree with you. I think more from a storytelling point. Um, I think this brought them to another level. Yeah. And really, you should know the name of Marty and Killshot by now, Marty the Moth and Killshot. Um, but I think that you're still going to have a, te- a technical lucha match between uh, Prince Puma and Rey Mysterio Jr. And it's going to be better than this. Uh, see, I don't know. Because I love the hardcore elements. My whole thing is I want to yeah. see... I want to see a Prince Puma and Ray style match degenerate into something like this. That is a perfect five-star match to me. If you can take yeah. a match where you work the in-ring and then you end it in a hardcore style, like my perfect five-star match is probably Jerry Lynn and Rob Van Dam mm-hmm. number two in ECW where it was a 45-minute match and it started off with a bunch of you know, running the ropes back and forth and people <laughs> clapping after they did the chain wrestling. And then by the end of it, you know, there's trash cans and cheese graters and tables being broken and the whole world is just going nuts. And you just had this steady build into insanity to the end where Rob Van Dam flips out five rows into the crowd and everyone's RVD, whole fucking show, whatever. And yeah. to me, that's the ultimate match. This match, very close to it, um, just a little more of the technical wrestling and it would have been there. But at the same time, I think they intentionally don't want this match to be a five yet. I think Lucha Underground had every ability to make this match a five, but mm-hmm. you can't make every match a five. You gotta, you do have to have somewhere to go. Um, and hopefully they have a plan for these guys where we get to see the the perfect yeah. five-star match out of them. So for uh, Alberto, that's, uh, that's what I think. I think you got a, four, a solid 4.2 here, one of the best matches in Lucha Underground uh, ever. And um, I think Lucha has wisely left themselves someplace to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, have, I have some more comments on that too, but uh, just Alberto says that he thinks the storyline made the match and all the brutality was a cherry on top. But he uh, also wants to comment those feuds, RVD, Jerry Lynn, five stars. Uh, he says they were the shit. He loved that stuff too. I remember uh, watching, I, don't, I got to watch ECW like on public access at two in the morning. But I remember <laughs> yes. since the very That's beginning, how I, started watching it. Was, I didn't get to drive. Um, oh, you haven't told that story yet. You haven't dropped the, that used to drive to the shows all the time. You only just well, mentioned I, I, I think I might have mentioned that I, I, I've that's today, but to you mentioned it as often hall. as possible. <laughs> You're like, I used to I've, go tra- to I've driven to the shows. beer hall a few times, and there was a few touring but, shows in Cleveland, and I also saw Jerry Lynn RVD3 at the, I think it was Living Dangerously pay-per-view in oh, wow. Orlando. Um, I was live for that one, um, and that was pretty cool, too. Sid Vicious was on that card. Oh, they did really well with him. Yeah, no, he was good in ECW. It was yeah. fun. But that that uh, RVD um, somersault into the audience, like by the vendors in the back, that was an I. That's like almost the iconic image of ECW for me. Uh, for me, it's New Jack going off the balcony through the table. Well, that too. I think there's a it's scaffold just, match too, and the but like, but like took me the first, first like. I think I'm pretty sure New Jack's knees hit the ground first and then his torso hit the table. It's just like, Oh, what are you doing? Oh, that's just, that's, that's not right. You did everything about that. wrong. 
yeah. and then he still gets up and finishes the match. It's like, what are you on, bro? You are like on PCP or something. This is insane. Yeah. Um, um, but so for me, I think what would for me what would raise the match this uh, Killshot Marty match up, I think it's just it's further development of the characters and how we invest in them. Um, like I said with Rain Puma, yeah. those people are we're heavily we're way more invested in them. Um, so we want to know what happens. We want to know about their personal struggles throughout the match, and all, you know. And then you know they'll flawlessly execute, but we also care about everything they're executing. These guys started off more or less; they entered the match as sort of light mid carders who do stuff, but ultimately it doesn't matter so much. But thankfully, they had the dog tags to sort of anchor this around the dog tags and the sense of honor. Then Marty's constant. Um, being a heel and being a jerk about it gave us a my little bit of something. Is, but by the end that, of it, you know, they were they jumped up several levels. And I think where they're at now, they're much storyline and I think the story would bump it up for me to more stars yeah. to a better match. And I think they're at that level now where we'll want to see Well it. now they can and now when they do, people will want to see it. I mean I think this mm-hmm. is still this is the end of the introductory course of marty and kill shot and i hope that marty went home and drove to la jolla and took his bloody forehead and rubbed it on a couple of the pages in that blank book and ended that chapter let's turn a new page and see what marty's got next i think he lives um, in utah oh that oh kayfabe marty. come on kayfabe marty dude la jolla california where the rich people go to play it's hard um, to keep track without kayfabe anyway so Great episode. Great episode. You know me. I love to find bad stuff about episodes. I love to talk trash. I love to nitpick um, just so that one of these days... Puma! Evie Dub is just going to haul off and hit me in the face. Um, oh, yeah. Go ahead. We you can mention Puma. Puma because uh, it played into... They had multiple... or all. I guess all the vignettes had multiple stages or several stories had multiple stages being told here. So you have... Puma coming in at the end of the mill match and then Katrina backing him off. But yeah, Puma, Puma Dark now. Yeah, it looks Maybe like Puma. Dark. We don't know that he's officially Puma Dark, but he's looks different. He's acting different. Yeah, but he's making moves that Vampiro told him to do, which is interesting. Very interesting. Um, but I mean, that guy, he's badass. I mean, he's a flippy shit guy, but he also, he's, he'll do he's some damage. Shit guy with abs. He has a lot. I haven't finished counting his abs. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you. I don't think you can. It's infinity abs. <laughs> but that's that should amazing. be the name of this workout program: <laughs> Infinity Abs with Prince Puma in Boyle Heights. I remember watching him do. Uh, what's the What's the thing where you go down, push up, up, sort of jump, and then down, push up? What are those called? It's a football thing or whatever. I don't know burpees or something. Burpees, yeah, and he does no, burpees with or, yeah, one of those. I saw him doing burpees with backflips, like <sighs> it was nothing. I was like, oh, that's easy. That looks like I like, could do that. <laughs> fuck you, Ricochet! God damn it, that's ridiculous, yeah, dude. That but uh, we'll but then so... Ricochet, like just stop flipping because <laughs> <laughs> <ridiculous. laughs> But then uh, after the after the episode. Mill is just punching stuff, and the whole temple is shaking because he's so mad, which is awesome. But it's oh, yeah. also he wants like to, he wants to kill Puma, and I was completely distracted by the amulet at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Mill is Mill Muertes ain't nothing to fuck with. I mean, he is no. he is serious. 
we we got to see the first Mill and Puma match was more one-sided than I think the next time they fight will be. But I like th- I like this too as character development and storyline wise. This is one of the things uh, hopefully WWE takes note of. You take the belt off of a monster, you need to give him some fuel to the fire to keep his heat. Like Mill has not lost an ounce of his heat without his belt. I mean, he looked as dominant as Matanza for a while. And I hope that if and when Matanza ever loses the belt, they find a way to keep the fire going there as well. Um, Because these are are great characters and great wrestlers. And it's difficult when you have a monster who gets to the top of the card and you take the thing off of him. And you've seen what's happened to Kane in WWE – it's so hard once you get a character like that to the yeah. top. Like, there's just putting him back in the middle of the card is so difficult. You know, shuffling the deck with a monster is really tough. And they've got two of them in Lucha Underground. So, but even with Mill Superpower reincarnated, now he barely lost to Matanza the first time around. I don't know where he's, I don't know if he's on par with them or, you know, we haven't. There, but the good news the is, I don't think we have to. I don't think Monster. we have to find out. That's that's the other reason why you do yeah. this Puma angle right now. And you do it quickly and you get Mill super fired up because it, it keeps your mind off of the fact that this guy was at the top of the mountain. He was the unbeatable monster in Lucha Underground and all of a sudden he's not. So you got to re- reinforce that. You know, and Cage has a little bit of this problem too. It's like we know he's a monster. He should be destroying everybody, but yet he's not at the top of the card. So how do you keep a guy like that hot? Um yeah. You know, keep the crowd loving him when he's not fighting for the belt. So, yeah, Cage, I, I think it's a great job with Matanza. It actually yeah. makes me interested to see where he's going. I like the rage. I like him partnered up with Katrina. She's got Mortis. an amulet too, so you, or you can, yeah, Mortis. So you can tie in, you know, all of these elements into his storyline and keep him going. Um, and we'll see. Um, anyway, great episode of Lucha Underground. Great episode. Hands down, great. Um, UFC. No, so I'm gonna talk, actually. Get, uh, well, let's talk about UFC, and then then we'll talk about ADR when we close. But yeah, you you had a, a a couple of points about the Rogan thing. Now, what were you saying earlier about? So Joe um, Rogan was talk. He was tweeting about, and he was talking about how he requested that he doesn't uh, do interviews post. He doesn't do post fight interviews with a fighter who was just knocked out. And I think in this day and age, as we are just constantly evolving the discussion about head injuries, I think it's a great point. I mean, there's a lot of factors in play here, though. Um, A fighter just got knocked out, who was a friend of his, and then in the post-fight interview, kept adamantly referencing a tap-out that clearly never happened. And he looked a little foolish because his brain was a little scrambled. You get some memory loss. So this, so that now, but they're also friends. I don't know about that either though. Cause I, I went back and watched it too. And, and what happened was what I think Reem thought the tap was, was Stipe had his hand here on his shoulder at one point when they were in the hold. And then he curled his fingers under and he did it like this. Like he was moving his hand and curling his fingers under that he's also doing. So he doesn't show or look like he's tapping out and he's trying to be able to try to pummel under again himself to break the position but when you're just feeling the movement on your shoulder, it probably feels like a tap. But the fingers were underneath. It wasn't like this. It wasn't, you know, Stipe wasn't trying to give up. Right. Um, hopefully, Reem saw that. I thought showing the footage twice was excessive when the first angle yeah. was plenty good. 
But I um, think it was be they showed it twice because after the first time, um, he was still adamant about it. He's like, no, watch it. That wasn't a good one. You'll see it in the other one. And so they had to, and it just made him look worse. And Joe's like, I don't want to do that to people anymore. I know. I see. I think, I think what you do is you show the, you show the footage the one time you leave a little bit of the speculation out there in the wind, let him say his piece, build some hype for himself. You know, as dominant as Reem has been, he's taken plenty of losses and, and a lot of them were knockouts. Um, but at the same time, I know what Joe's saying, but fans want to see their mm-hmm. guy, especially when you have a popular guy like Reem, they want to hear what he has to say. Yeah. And if he stands up and he looks lucid and he's able to talk a little bit, um, people want to see those interviews. Fighters say dumb shit all the time. Sometimes yeah. they say dumb shit when they win. Sometimes they're more concussed when they win. I mean, you think Robbie Lawler should be given an interview with half a lip and probably <laughs> a double concussion like he did after that one fight. It's like the him and Rory McDonald fight. Neither of those guys should have been doing anything for a long time. I mean, they should have been wheeled out on stretchers. Yeah. But, you know, they stood up, they gave interviews. Robbie Lawler had half a lip and he's calling out other people. <laughs> it was crazy. Well, it's um, important for them to get that mic time too. And I think as with any competitive athlete, they're going to want to go no matter what. The choice isn't up to them yeah. with regards to the limiting because of head trauma. Um, but who, who do you give that call? Do you, or do you need to start doing that? Who gets that call and where is the line? I think is a big question. Well, I, I would I like think to maybe know. the corner men should have the lead corner man should have maybe a say in it, or they should be able to wave off an interview on behalf of their fighter, just like they're allowed to throw in a towel in some sports. Um, because the corner man you know, they stand something to gain from if their guy goes out there and cuts a good promo afterwards. They also stand something to gain from protecting a fighter if he's injured or he needs medical treatment or needs to be dealt with in a different way. So hopefully they're the one that's, you know, lucid enough after a fight to help make that decision. But I also feel like, look, Joe Rogan, the way they do that post show, Dana's not calling it from the truck or whatever. He's got a director and producers in the truck that are in his ear. Um, Joe's the one in the ring. He's mm. done enough of these. He's also, you know, he's a also a jiu-jitsu, fighter. Yeah, jujitsu fighter and a taekwondo fighter. And though he's not a professional MMA fighter, mostly because of he he would never pass a drug test. Um, he does know what's up to a point where you know if Joe walks over and looks in a guy's eyes and he looks a little loopy, I think Joe should just wave it off. I mean, half the time the fighters don't even know they're about to give. Uh, an interview and Joe just goes up and grabs them, especially mm. when they do losers. They usually don't know, but the typically the only time they do losers is in a big name fight. Like, you know, CM Punk losing. You want to hear from the guy cause you're paying him to be a personality. Yeah. Alistair Overeem was in the headlining title fight, might not ever get another title shot again. And if he's your guy and you've been following him for five or six years or whatever, you want to hear what he has to say. You're his fan. That's part of what you're paying for. You're buying a pay-per-view. He was your guy. You just lost money. You want to commiserate with the guy. You want to hear what he has to say. You might want to hear his crazy theories about uh, feeling ghost taps or whatever. It's, It's tough because, you know, it's part of what the fans pay for. But at the same time, I'm fine with Joe Rogan making the call. I think he should have certain power to do it. Um, I don't know what you do on the other shows. Corner man, too. 
Yeah, I mean, Joe, Joe should – and I think Joe would do that. Joe just look over and, you know, like if Greg Jackson's in the corner for Reem yeah. or – actually, I don't know if it was, even though he's out of Jackson's. I think it was some of his other trainers that were with him. You know, you look over to the lead corner guy like, hey, should I, can I interview your guy? Or, are you cool with it? And then look at the fighter because, you know, you're right. The fighter's typically going to just want to go and do whatever he's supposed to do. I mean, that seems to be a big thing in MMA. I don't know. It's pretty weird, but I, I you know, look, if Joe's got a problem with it, he really is the expert. He's done more post-fight yeah. interviews than anybody out there. Um, he's seen a million crazy fights. He knows when a guy's punchy. He knows if a guy's, you know, I mean, he's not going to sit there and finger test him to see if he's concussed. But I say leave it up to Joe. If Joe doesn't want to do him, don't do him. You I know? think it's interesting. Uh, I think this is something where if people were to listen to our show and tweet us, I think it'd be a it good conversation to have with a large with, with a broad group of people see what yeah guys if you too. if you got comments on it hit us at mmm show 75 we'll look at it and we will respond mm-hmm. because we do that kind of thing um I mean, uh, joe and the trainer i think is is probably most practical but then also you look at it like well do you need to bring in a tra- uh, you know the medic the doctor well, but by then the doctors usually him. looked at him. I mean, when the when you're yeah. on the canvas from a TKO, the doctor comes in and checks you. When the fight yeah. is over, they make you sit there. They won't even let you get up. So if the doc is like, uh, you take him to the back, then they should just take him to the back immediately. They shouldn't even have him stand there for the decision. You know, a lot of times people want to see the fighter stand up for the decision and say, no, take him to a doctor. He just got knocked the F out. Just come. Yeah. Let, let him get to a doc. Um, I don't know. I got some other interesting news. So what's that? Cowboy, Cowboy Cerrone, who was supposed to fight Robbie Lawler last time we were on, um, we were talking about that fight. Even I think at that time, it had probably already been announced, um, you know, that Cowboy wasn't going to fight. This is for the big Madison Square Garden card. So I agree with Robbie Lawler, though. So basically what happened, Robbie Lawler, um, I think it was in Cleveland. Even says he wants to meet with Cowboy, goes and meets with him and tells him in person that he's not going to accept the fight, which is super cool. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're not best of friends or anything. and They were going to fight, but he was like, look, it's a big deal. It's Madison Square Garden. They already announced the fight, but at the same time, I'm not going to take the fight because Robbie Lawler has been in some freaking wars in the past two years mm-hmm. and he just needs more time. Cowboy Cerrone is crazy and he'll fight every two months. You know, he doesn't <laughs> give a shit. He's, the dude's nuts. So, he, you know, he told, he, he basically, Robbie told Cowboy to his face, like, bro, I can't take the fight. We'll do it down the line. I promise. Like, if you want the fight, I promise we'll still do the fight, but I can't take it right now. So, Cowboy decides to stay on the card. And now they're announcing that maybe he'll get Kelvin Gastelum. Not confirmed yet, but. It looks like the good news for Cowboys, he's going to be on one of the biggest cards of the year. This the first time ever the UFC is going to New York uh, City or state, and they're going to the Garden, and it's a big deal. Um, yeah. Well, they've had a struggle to get licensed, right? Yeah, yeah. Just got finished this year. It was a big, long struggle. The, the last state in the union to uh, legalize mixed martial arts uh, was New- state of New York. They held out forever. There was all kind of weird politics involved. And the uh, the old timers who were basically blocking it for a long time finally left. And so they were finally able to get it through. And it's going to be one of the legacies of the, the old regime of UFC that's left. 
Um, Joe Silva, the head booker for UFC since before Dana came in, since the SEG days, is also announced that he's leaving the UFC. Um, that may really change the face of UFC. Um, like Dana has always worked with this guy. Um, and Dana has only taken on booking the stuff that he wanted to book. And Joe Silva was always the main guy, especially for the upper weights. And then they brought in Sean Shelby, who dealt with, I think, lightweight and below, or maybe just 45, 35 and 25, the lower weight uh -huh. classes and maybe some of the female fighters. Um, but Joe Silva, I mean, like, you know, you talk to any guy who's a 205 pounder from like the Chuck Liddell days or whatever. Yeah. Joe Silva booked all those fights. Joe Silva created those rivalries that you know and love as MMA. And uh, with the new owners coming in and everything, he's going to bow out at the end of this year, which is it's going to be interesting. I don't know what the face of UFC is going to look like without him. And he runs the shows a lot of times, too, when Dan is not around. I mean, this is a guy who is basically like the number two after Dana at the UFC. You think, what, why do you think he's leaving? Was there a reason that they gave? Oh, I mean, he's just, he's done it for a long, long time. And we're talking about since before the Fertitas bought UFC, he was there in the yeah. SEG days and the dark days of UFC. Um, I wonder what the proximity big... to the deal. I wonder if something. Well, I mean, he might be getting a good buyout or this might just be a natural lapse in his co contractor clause. And yeah. this is a guy that I'm sure has plenty of money. I don't even think it's about a money thing for any of these guys. It's really about, do I want to keep doing it or is now with this regime change, the time for me to get out. And for Joe Silver, who's been there even longer than Dana, you know, Dana's probably only going to stay four or five years at this point. So if Joe Silver can get out now and kind of start the ushering the transition to the new owners, maybe it's a good plan. I don't know. Yeah. Um, DC versus Rumble. Rumble's been calling for DC. He wants to be on that Madison Square Garden uh, card. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. DC is talking about UFC 207 um, instead. So that'd be a little further down the line. Um, we'll see if it even happens. We'll see if John Jones gets his stuff cleared up because 205 is just dismal. That weight class right now. I don't know. Like we we need to have John Jones back to make it exciting, but at the same time, he needs to stay out of trouble. <laughs> What's going? Is there a further development with John Jones? No, I mean it, it. It looks like he received a tainted supplement, but in that um, Usada might let him get a lesser finer sentence, but because the fight that he was booked for was in the state of Nevada, the Nevada State Athletic Commission still has jurisdiction as well. There's kind of a double jurisdiction thing here. Mm -hmm. um, so they can impose a fine or a sentencing that is completely unrelated to anything. And they've done crazy shit in the past, like suspending Nick Diaz for five years for weed and then overturning it and lessening the sentence. So, um, but hey, speaking of your favorite drug addicts in the USC, yeah, Jail P. Dunnan, he's Jail, back. He's back and he's not in the UFC. <laughs> it has been announced that Chael somehow weaseled his way out of his UFC contract and he is going to Bellator. Um, even after he submitted to all the USADA testing, maybe he didn't pass some of the USADA testing and we don't know about that. Something is, is up, but somehow he got out of his UFC contract. The, uh, the doping rules in, in Bellator are not quite the same. Uh, they're not as strict. That doesn't mean that they don't have them, but um, he's going right. there to fight, and he signed a real contract to go over there and fight. 
And um, I think you're going to see Chael back in a cage, but you're going to see it on Spike. I don't know what this means for his ESPN deal or some of his other stuff. Like I had half hoped he would come back to the UFC because I was hoping to see him on UFC tonight again and kind of resuming some of his spokesperson for UFC duties. I was hoping that they would kind of lift the ban on him, but it seems like that stuff just wasn't an option for him there anymore. So he's moving on, but he's coming back and I'm happy to see it. That's awesome. He's a strong personality in the sport. I hope he keeps podcasting during the fight. During, yeah, I, th- I mean, some the of these guys still do. The training. Yeah, I mean, I think that you you might get a little more sporadic when he's got a fight coming up, but it's podcasting. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's it's cool that Chael's back, and especially if you're if you're a guy like me and you or whoever, Casey, if you like wrestling and MMA. You want the guys like Chael Sutton. You want the Conor McGregor's. You want the the guys who know how to build up a fight, talk a little smack, but still get in there and actually put on a real fight too. I mean, it's not the the, the actual inside the cage is not a work. So you got to be able to work outside the cage and then, you know, go and shoot once you're in the cage. Chael's one of those guys. I, yeah. And I think Bellator is a better place for him anyway. The competition level at 85 and 205 is is probably just a touch out of his reach. Um, and I think in Bellator, he can win a few more fights. I think he can compete better than even you see in guys like Tito Ortiz and those guys. I think that Chael's still got enough gas in the tank to, to beat. Yeah. That, you know, that may end up being one of the fights you see. Who knows? Um, uh, he hasn't even won a fight. He, he even lost like the whole like getting married to Jenna Jameson thing. He took a job on that one too. Yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Dummy. Um, Alberto ADR Yeah, on the subject of MMA fighters. Yeah. Speaking of MMA fighters, let's talk ADR who is this much better of an MMA fighter than CM Punk. Um, he's doing some ground and pound on some vampire. So it's been announced that he is on this, uh, triple a show. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's where we're at now with ADR. He's going to do triple a again. <laughs> There's another thing that's interesting about this AAA show. Hero Immortals. Right? Yeah. As you would say in Spanish. Hero Immortals, yeah. Uh so far uh two people are not on the show. Obviously the Phoenix. A couple of brothers? <laughs> yes, a couple of brothers. Yeah. Well, Phoenix is not on the show. Phoenix not on the show. And then also Where's that who, card at? I want to look at that card again. Casey tweeted it to us, right? I, yeah. Well, I I don't know. I just I got to be honest. All I know is I saw Casey tweet that Pentagon Junior is not on the show, and I just took his word for it. But Pentagon well, Junior is uh, not he's on not the announced show. on the card. You know. Yeah. So you would imagine that after he dropped the belt to Johnny Mundo. That he would get a chance to defend it in some fashion, right? That would be the, yeah. the courteous, the courteous thing. You would you would think that he would want to fight Johnny Mundo again. You would think that they would let him fight Johnny Mundo again. <laughs> I mean, maybe not the first match back, but you would keep the the heat going from it a little bit or something. I think I think it's it it should be common knowledge now that the best places to watch Pentagon Junior, 
the the person wrestle and the character that he portrays wherever he goes the best places to see him do his thing are outside of AAA. Now, is it possible, however, that he was just already booked in England before AAA even tried to book this weekend and like they put this show together because of Alberto and that he just was already unavailable? I Isn't think that not that, possible? Well, AAA has priority. I think they w- they've, they've canceled bookings before. And so if he had a, a booking somewhere, he'd have to cancel it when AAA wants to do this show. Really? They can you know, do like that to him? That's terrible. No, but they, they've canceled us bookings before. I think New Japan has this deal and even Lucha Underground. These companies that let their guys wrestle outside their company, yeah. they have a first look deal. They have uh, a somewhat exclusive agreement where uh, you can't do TV outside of our TV show and you have to um, basically our show is a priority. So if there's a conflict, we win. Well, so I, I, and that makes sense. I think Pentagon just straight up isn't booked, and they're bringing back Alberto Del Rio, who's going to get a big welcoming welcome. He's going to make a ton of money, and I think he's going to deserve it too. I mean, it's not as much as people want to hate on Alberto. I can't say I'm mad about it. Yeah, no, it's it's all fine and dandy for him, and and all of that, and as how no matter how it turned out when he left, he left without handing the belt or losing the belt to someone else, you know, doing, um, what is it? Pain respecting the business or whatever it is. But, uh, and also he just left without telling triple a he was going to. Um, yeah, but they still had, they still were on pretty good ground because I think they respect each other and that Del Rio is still a great draw for triple a and triple a, is the best paycheck he can get. Look, at the end of the day, money is money, right? Yeah. So, you know, good for them. And, you know, that is that is what it is, but it's Pentagon looks... Why isn't Pentagon booked on the on a big show? I mean, he's already being treated like garbage and not given the respect that he deserves and he's earned in every other ring in the world. Yeah. It's just, and then that trickles down to Lucha Underground drama. Do you, I mean, is he gonna become Gift of the Gods champion and take his mask off and start boxing? I don't know. Well, I think that really what needs to happen is we need to get Paige on this show. It'd be great to get Paige. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting because you have Paige. I think when you read between the lines on the rumors, Paige thought she was, according to Dirt Sheets, Thought she was going to get out of her, of her contract, hired a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. And now she is going back to work in a week and she failed her drug test because, by the way, Del Rio failed for steroids. But Paige failed because she took a test and passed but didn't do it in time. Right. So she cleaned herself out. <laughs> so, but was I she don't, taking testosterone? She was... I think she was injecting testosterone in a way. I think Alberto was probably ingesting or injecting the testosterone for her. Yeah. I don't think she had to do it herself. Because um, they're having sex. You know what? This card doesn't look that bad, though. It's, uh, it's Al- Alberto Del Rio and Psycho Count versus Dr. Wagner and Pagano. <laughs> I love that match. That's a great match, and it continues the – it actually continues storyline – with the Psycho Clown and Pagano match from Triple Mania. Like, 
everyone's bitching about them continuing storylines and building stuff. That's perfect. Um, then you've got Daga versus Australian Suicide, uh, Garza Jr. versus Johnny Mundo. Oh, you know what's funny? Belt. Um, I, um, I retweeted the, the card, even though I never watched it or looked at it. I retweeted the card uh, AAA posted, and they're saying W.O. is returning. And I retweeted it and wrote, who cares? And then Chef Dad <laughs> replied and said, I care. Well, I, 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 I like this card. Like, I, I think I'll, I'll watch this, too. You got the Apaches versus uh, Averno Chessman and Ricky Marvin. That's awesome. You know, and you got some just crazy matches with everyone else left in the world. Um, where, where do you find a tag it? Where's match. the card? There's, uh, I got it off of Casey's page, I think, or Lucha Blog's page. Um, Casey, or, or then you got a match with Dragon Aerostar versus Laredo Kid and Superfly versus uh, Millionaro and Damien666 and Monster Clown and Murder Clown. And that's for the, I believe that's the tag champion match since Dragon and Aerostar are the champions now, right? Like this card is great, except it really is, you know, it's missing a few things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you've also got, you know, um, uh, Hio del F- Fantasma's on there, Tejano Jr., La Parca, their team versus uh, Macias and some guests. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I think it's a good card. Yeah, but... I think it's, it's the right thing for AAA to do at this point. I mean, you know, just book a big show, put everybody you can on it, throw everything you can at it, and, and yes, Pentagon should be in there. Um, you know, Pentagon should be in the Dr. Wagner Jr. spot is what he should be. You think so? Well, not how triple A is booking him, but he should. They well, should no, I mean, I think, I think for his spot. real realistically for where he was at in triple A, it should be Garza Jr., Johnny Mundo and Pentagon in a three way yeah. for that belt. Oh, for, yeah. You know? Yeah. Or a fight for Taya. <laughs> Taya was his tag team part or Perils de Mall. And he lost yeah. Sexy Star as his intergender tag team. Yeah, they just took all the ladies away from him. Apparently, he gets no play with the ladies. It's funny. Uh, Lucha Blog tweeted uh, I got some information off Lucha Blog's website or Twitter, so I'm going to talk about Lucha Blog uh, scoops. <laughs> Hernandez, Cage, and Pentagon Jr. were all name checked in the speech in Monterey to hype heroes and mortales and aren't on the show. I'm going to favorite that. That's yeah. hilarious. I'll retweet it too. All of our it's best funny. It, guys. How fucked up are they? And Cage? Like Cage and uh, Messias are are awesome right now. I think they're doing the uh, the Trump, like build a wall and throwing out tortillas to the crowd. <laughs> the Trump gimmick. It's hilarious. The Trump gimmick was great. Well, didn't, didn't Mundo take over a little bit of the Trump gimmick too? I don't know. I think he what was he was showing it at Triple Mania a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, it beats whatever that crazy uh, uh, oh my God. entrance with the chariots and the Ben Hur thing was. That was nuts. It was like I'm so, he's watching re- that Russian MMA. Uh, I'm completely distracted because there are these commercials. Uh, this Sling commercial featuring Lucha Underground has people watching Sling. Um, the luchadors watching sling on their phones and stuff and it's everyone and it's insane uh, you have 
Drago ironing on an ironing board. Did you Are see you this? retweeting these? I'll have to check them out. Because I'm hey, retweeting them. Drago is the only board. reason I have sling. Yeah, me too. Uh, oh, I mean, I watch oh, other stuff on there. Touch. I watch my Fear the Walking Dead on AMC, and I watch, you know, Food Paradise on the Travel Channel and a few other things. But, you know, that's the main reason I have sling. You got to watch. The, this is the first thing anyone should ever do. Uh, you have everyone's watching. Sexy Star is on a laptop watching the Power Power Powder Puff Girls. Powder Puff Girls, yeah. Yeah, she's watching that. You know, going along with it. Pentagon is fucking knitting a sweater. Watching the show. <laughs> and then Drago is using a fire to heat up his iron from his mouth. I see. I'm seeing that one now. Looks up at Pentagon and goes, "Are you watching without me?" The Pentagon's like, "Oh." This is incredible. This is like, how did this go under the radar? No one talked about this. Well, where would where would Sling run these ads? I don't even know where they would run I don't this. Know. I didn't see them when I watched Sling. But uh, uh, he also uh, posted the reports of the ratings. And there was a reported uh, for episode two, season three, 99,000 viewers in the first run, which is down from last week, which is last week was just slightly down from Ultimate Judos, but that was you know the special i think they got about 130 120,000 right in the first episode this is 100,000 uh, or 99,000 the first run 55,000 in the repeat which is a slight uptick 154 total which is a downtick from last week's total it's not bad though it's like you're you're into the regular part of the season I, um, yeah, I think ultimately what matters is market exposure, not so much the the viewers are going to increase when they get El Rey. Well, and other. ultimately, you know, the TV game is not necessarily always about the biggest number. When you can get a consistent <laughs> number and you know who the market is, mm-hmm. like what Sci-Fi Channel does, for instance, um, the number isn't as big a deal like with el rey i feel like you're reaching a good market you know who to advertise to yeah um it's an urban market you know what products to sell there you can keep advertisers happy the rating isn't what's important or paying the bills you know well, you it's you also work with advertising so they're the biggest show on, they're the biggest original content i think on el rey aside yeah, from probably um, Dustal Dawn's probably behind it would, would be my guess. I don't know what the numbers are like for Dustal Dawn now, but they're also going into their third season. Well, even if it gets lower ratings, it's um, uh, it's not wrestling. So it'll be regarded a little bit higher regard from advertisers. Sure. Honestly. Sure. Um, Lucha Blog has season three, episode three, um, next week's episode. The name of it will be... Oh, the teaser. Yeah, I saw that. It'll be the, just the, the, the cable teaser or whatever, right? Uh, well, I, I haven't seen that, but he has the title, and it's called Ultimate Opportunities. Yeah, and somebody else got it from their cable guide, and it showed the three matches or whatever. I read it earlier. Um, I don't know I don't where know it was, though. But, but it sounds very interesting. As I long as it's moving story forward and we get some good matches, um, I don't anticipate that. Oh, there's a trios uh, title match next week. Um I don't anticipate that uh, it's going to top this past episode, though. I think it'll be a few episodes before we get something better than than episode 302. But that's fine. I'm good with that. I don't want every episode to be 
weapons of mass destruction because it would be too much. Check this out. We're having a we're having an unofficial Lucha Blog guest star on this podcast. You're just <laughs> raiding. You're just mining his Twitter for for stuff. <laughs> it's interesting stuff. Well, Casey's not here, so you got to get your your info from somewhere. Normally, Casey would just spew all this stuff from memory. I've met, I've met Lucha Blog. I think you have too. Yeah, I met. He's a super cool guy, and uh, he's never been to any of the shows I have been at, though. I'm just saying I'm not going to rat him out because I'm not a Joey Ryan. Oh, how are you going to do that? I'm not going to MVP him. You don't. You also don't have the kind of child support he has. I really, yeah, I don't. Uh, but he also uh, he also made the point. He, actually, if you, I recommend going to Lucha Blog's Twitter just in general. He always has great stuff. Uh, yeah, if you're if you're a cool fan analysis. of us and you're not following him, you're not following Lucha Libre. Because he's, I mean, he's, he's where I get most of my CMNLL information from because I don't watch the product very much. I, I watch AAA, but um, yeah, it's, you know, he's got all the goods. Him and, you know, watching gifts from Hoke and okay. those guys. And, TDK, it was one of, my, TDK, uh, yeah. one of my greatest Lucha experiences of watching TDK. Well, it was actually when Casey and I were doing uh, the wrestling name get wrestler name game, and TDK was just feeding me names. And then ultimately, <laughs> it's like you need that. They sort of sh- had a showdown. TDK, Randy, and and uh, and Casey, they're Lucha Gringo, uh, Lucha Gringo Spingry, and they were going at it. And it just it got to the point where it kind of felt like they're just making up names of luchadors that they saw on the, at a <laughs> once. Oh, they probably knew them for real, man. Those guys are nuts. But, Those guys, history of wrestling and yeah. Lucha Libre in general. See, and that's where Casey gets those guys because Casey will start bringing out like late seventies NWA guys and, and they're right. Like he's not making them up. And those guys are like, uh, 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 you know, those guys will get him on 20 years of Lucha Libre, but Casey's knowledge yeah. goes deep. I don't. I can't even believe I'm putting Casey over after no show in this episode. Fuck that guy. Everyone should go on Twitter and blast Casey for pulling a Brock Lesnar tonight. Well, you guys tell us. Like, if you're happy not having Casey on the show tonight, tweet and let us know. If you want yeah. Casey back on the show, tweet him and tell him to get his butt back here and and give up on these ridiculous contract negotiations, man. Because the wheel <laughs> keeps on turning. We can't just stop the flow of things for Casey to to have a day off because his contract is not to his liking. Uh, you know, we gave him the craft services. We gave him the chair with the back. Show he sat work, in man. the chair. My, he sat in the best chair that I have. He's I know. not happy. I got lower back um, issues have, too, man. It's like, I don't yeah. know why he's not here this week. He's just, on, he's, he's smangry. He's hashtag smangry. He's smart. If, this, if, if you like this, if you like the podcast without him, we can do something about it. Um, the last <laughs> thing I want to bring up from Lucha blog, and then you just have to go and look for yourself. Uh, he writes, he's doing all these, uh, he has all these interesting insights with screen caps to the little girl segment. But he goes for bonus fun, the Aerostar episode, which is also where they have the ancient ancient tribe, tribal people. Right. The Aerostar episode is the episode with the reveal of Cortez Castro as a cop with Captain Vasquez debuting as a character. So the whole thing is tied together somehow, isn't it? They're, oh, that's like a fucking DJ thing. Just long range. Yeah, and you know, he keeps saying it because, you know, people have been busting his balls about, yeah, you made Aerostar a time traveler and then just never did anything with it. Guess what, people? 
he may have already planned to do something with it a long, long time ago. Something's happening, but if it doesn't happen today, it doesn't mean it doesn't happen eventually. Look, I've given up. Like, I, I, I threatened to quit watching Lucha Underground if they didn't reveal Limo Guy by the end of season two. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't get away with it because I love, um, I love the show, and I can't stop watching it even if I want to, and they're going to keep doing things like that to me, I have a feeling. So now I'm, I'm girding up my loins. I think the, the amulet's going to be a very long, drawn-out story that may pan out at the end of season five, I think is when we'll really piece it all together. <laughs> That's my guess at this point. Um, and uh, Dr. Claw is Alberto Del Rio confirmed. <laughs> the thing is, they knew Del Rio was coming back, so they're holding off. <laughs> they knew he was going to piss hot eventually, so they just <laughs> put a placeholder in there until he was back. I mean, they probably had a PA injecting steroid, Mexican steroids in his butt. Look, season. don't get me wrong. Never say never either. I believe that Alberto Del Rio may appear in the temple again at some point. And I'm not saying that because I think DJ or EV Dub or any of those guys think that he's coming back or even want him back at this point. But I could see a, a time and place sometime in season four where it would happen. There's no reason for them to negotiate it right now. They're not on the air uh, or yeah. they're not filming episodes. I think he'll do his little run in AAA. And I said this couple weeks ago that I thought he was going to do a little uh, a couple of runs here and there on small contracts and then he'll settle in somewhere I think I don't know that he's going to settle in I think he's at the end of his career where he's trying to do he's just going to go like you said year to year looking for the most yeah. money but I think he's going to I think you can't commit with him long enough so if, I don't think he's going to go to Lucha Underground because then if he does that and he has to wait until he can go somewhere else then he's not. Then that is not good business for him. I'd, to I'd bring him in for the end of season four. I would bring him in for the end yeah. of season four. To work up to a special thing for Ultima Lucha. Um, you know, do whatever. Have him go over. Who cares? Have, whatever. Yeah. Have I mean, him back I, for one big event and then let him disappear again. I don't you know? know. I mean, I, I don't think that that's a bad idea. I, I think nobody remembers Molina showing up for Ultima Lucha one, but it still oh. popped. I really would like bomb. them to like retape that entire into the episode so Melina never showed up. But um, that'd be great if they if they actually went back and re-edited it like before they put out a DVD or put it on Netflix or something. That would be awesome if it was just Taya for the rest of the time instead of Melina. But uh, I think Del Rio just the, his his behavior and his pattern. I mean, the last the last appearance that he made before he signed with WWE, he no showed an autism benefit. <laughs> you know, a children's autism benefit. I think he's going to get his money from AAA for a while, relax, keep doing steroids, do the thing with. He should uh, definitely Paige. keep doing the steroids. He looks so much better right yeah, now. Yeah, he looks really. He should stay on the steroids. Yeah, for um, sure. But I think the Paige thing will eventually run its course. I think WWE is not letting her out of her contract. And they're going to see that this is going to sort of run its course, and then she'll still finish if she's gonna AJ Lee it for like a year. She still has a few more years where she can draw good money for them. Um, and then he may even Del Rio probably go back to WWE when he wants that one last big paycheck in a couple of years, do a run, make a ton of money, and then go home 
open up another Mexican food joint and then do the combat. Man, that other that last one that they posted pictures of that Paige posted the picture, I think, looks so sketchy. Like, dude, ADR, I'm never eating there. I'm going to Puerto Loco before I go to there. That's scary. I mean, I've got I've got like shady, sketchy spots up in the hood where I will throw down some tacos before yeah. I would go to his place. I'm hungry. Um, we had hey, what you think about what you think about backlash real quick i don't want to get too deep into it but okay. i thought it was i thought it was good uh i thought it was good uh just on the on the youtube comments we have uh, albert c saying that he thinks cml is destroying triple a um and then maybe, he also maybe I'll watching. commented at some point i don't know what we were talking about but he commented uh meat injection meat injection <laughs> Yeah, when we're talking about ADR injecting page. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, hey, but uh, backlash I thought was good. Um it, I you know I, they I loved getting the win with Rhino. I loved it. Oh, he Slater's amazing. He's he's been amazing for a while, but he's entertaining as an underdog. And there was this interview where Triple H was talking about different dynamics of characters, how some characters get more over when they just when they lose. And then when they win, all of a sudden, the support dies away. And that's crazy, and it happens, but it just sounded like it described Heath Slater so much. We're rooting for him. But then is he boring when he's winning? Well, um, I think that there's ways to do that. I don't know. I mean, like, for me, the angle would have been, yeah, we'll put him over, we'll give him a contract, but it'll be a minimum contract, and we'll give Rhino a pile of money and the story will be that <laughs> Rhino is balling out the whole time. And Heath is still like, I'm the, I'm the champion. Why don't I get any of this stuff? And he's still getting treated like a young boy in the back. Rhino's yeah. making him carry his bags and stuff. Like it, it, it could be still that he could still have yeah. this, you know, story of, you I got more depth kids. to his character where you see, even though he's winning a little bit here, he's still losing. Like they showed his family yeah. and they showed his family, which, kind of helped you realize that no matter what success you see him having a ring he's still losing every single day of his life and that, so who's that got helps. more who's got more kids Heath Slater or Joey Ryan I gotta say uh Heath Slater because every time you go to a WWE show now you Heath's see a kids, crowd of people saying what they're Heath's kids sign which is genius that's so genius. like it is. I, don't I want it to go away but not because it's bad <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was great. I I absolutely um, was I was walking into the women's match uh, about just ready to hate it because it was a multi-person. Oh, and I was bashing it at first match. too on Twitter, but yeah. it actually ended up being decent. Um, They're usually garbage. This was better, but I thought Nikki was going to win because Nikki's good I did too, and, and she's I... the draw. Oh, and, but Becky won, and I am so excited. And it gave everyone. It gave. You know, Car like Carmella looked like she was a WWE wrestler. Yeah. She was barely an NXT wrestler. When yeah, she no, stepped up the game amazingly. I don't know if it yeah. was just this match that she's been working up to or what, but uh, I, I was definitely impressed too. And I was Alexa a little. I, I was really excited for for the Becky Lynch win. I was less excited when I heard her start talking. Like I had forgotten how deep her voice was. Yeah, it was a little frightening. It's like. Conor McGregor, but two octaves lower. Yeah, and she has a very thick accent. Super, um, super thick and super deep. Like she has more bass than Finn Balor. It's a, I, it's it's creepy to me. 
Uh, I, I think that I think that there's a. <laughs> I know, she, she has very strong deltoids or whatever. But um, I mean, but she I doesn't. I was so ha I was so happy for her to win. I think her promos right now are a little bit more raw and genuine enthusiasm than maybe you know they could be. But that's also part of the charm. That's why people are rooting for her. And he just she was always gonna be like the best friend of the person we care about, you know? Yeah. She was always well, almost, but I'm so glad to see her winner. win. A real winner is The Miz. Yeah. Except, you know where he's a real loser? He's still stuck in a program with Dolph. That sucks, but also... Um, like, this shows you the weakness in the roster, that, that he's still stuck in a program with Dolph. Like... Miz is on fire right now. They got to do something with him. Like, I don't care. Well, Put Daniel Bryant back in trunks for a fight. Yeah, like, come just on. let Dolph kick him in the head a while. It's already scrambled. What are you? What else are you going to do? Yeah. But speaking of scrambled, um, scrambling eggs, it's interesting that the icy title that Miz has, it, you talk, and we talk about WWE 50-50 booking, uh, on their pay-per-view, they had Dolph and Miz trade wins. Yeah, it was it's weird that the second match was plantation owner versus chicken. <laughs> but you really don't like this KFC angle, do you? I don't like that. It's two characters who are even actually like I get the people, their friends are both from Ohio and they both like to do this stuff and they're both good at it. But they're working a legit title uh, program with each other at the same time you see them fight on the show and then you see them put on costumes and fight again it it, it delegitimizes is a word their first fight yeah it's all awesome it's great i love it and i love I, that miz kept his uh, title at, at backlash and i i, I just want to see him like i don't know what the right storyline is for miz i don't i just feel like they don't have enough options on the roster for him it's SmackDown is a little light and it's great now because everyone is doing something significant and everyone is standing out and because that's all they have to work with. I think they're going to add like the added piece later that they brought in the headbangers. I hope they bring the headbangers back, but they kind of have a strong tag division already, you know? Yeah. But um, I, I think you're just, I think it's going to work in their favor where everything they do just has to be good it's already turning into a, a better show than raw they're almost getting um more viewers actually not more ratings but more viewers uh, somehow yeah uh, but well, i mean the show's been good it's been good uh this week the, the smackdown after backlash was a little eh it was a lot of kind of continuing storylines again because the roster is not deep enough and then you bring yeah. cena back into the mix, which which worked for me, it wasn't bad. I like AJ as the champ. It's it, it's totally working. I'm oh, glad they they I'm have the they best champ right now, out of yeah. any out of any of the companies. They have the face that runs the place, champ, the champ that runs the camp, champ that runs the camp. They got the phenomenal one, AJ Styles, which it's weird to see his logo say P1 because I, I want <laughs> it. It just reads as pie to me, and I'm like, what's that have to do? He's he's a southern. He's a southern boy with a wanton or something. I, don't know I what popped he so hard when I saw them putting his logo on the actual belt. I thought that was cool as hell. I love it. <laughs> no, it's um, great. It, it's it really is great. Um, and it was an obvious choice. I liked Dean as champ. I think it was great, but I also think 
that he has more room to grow as as champ. As yeah, and that, and that look, person. It, there, there's two belts now. He's at the top of the program over there. There's nothing else you can ask for. You can't hold the belt the whole time. He had the belt. Now AJ's got it, and that's good for him. Like he needs that strong character at the top of the roster with him. You know, seen as a part timer, so he'll be in and out of this this mix for a while. He's about to leave. I, I I'll tell you what. I'd like to see them put it back on Cena too. I'd like to see this belt get bumped around a little bit for a minute, and then maybe settle in on AJ next year around WrestleMania and stay on him for a while. Then. I don't mind them moving this belt around some. Keep it exciting, hot shot yeah. it around a little bit, and then settle it down. I don't. I just. I don't see how you take it off of AJ Styles, who's excelled so much. He has a track record, and he's only gonna do more for the company. I think. Oh, you have Cena take it off of him, and then Cena drops it back to him two SmackDowns later. Yeah, Cena take it off of him at a pay per view. Cena hasn't won the belt in years, which is fun, which is great. I right, which is what I'm phenomenal. saying. Let Cena have a little run with it just but, to bring some prestige to the, the, the split. You know, let him, mm-hmm. let him get his talking points in. He'll pop crowds. I mean, it's like, you know, Cena's a weird love him, hate him kind of guy. But at the same time, dude, that music drops and... No, he's great. Um, someone said um, maybe uh, JR... JR Brabkusaw said that the only two draws in WWE are John Cena and Brock Lesnar. And that's true. I mean, you go and see the product. You go see the brand. You go see a WWE show. Um, It's less and less about who's main eventing. Well, look, AJ's not the next John Cena. He's too old. He's too old. He's not going to build the same momentum. I mean, the young, hip, fresh guy that is going to drive sales like Cena and rock before him. Um, you know, Orton was never able to completely do it. Triple H never even did it the same way as those guys. I mean, triple H was, Triple H was always the other the guy. Yeah. He was consistent and he's super smart and that's why he's at where he's at. Cause he was always the other guy. He is the guy that made the programs work for those other dudes. Yes. Completely. And, but that served to his benefit. And now he's the other guy in the bigger picture where He's he's the other guy putting on the show, and everyone else is is wrestling. What they what they need is not the next Cena. They need the next Stone Cold, a guy who's been around for a while, who finally lands and falls yeah. into the right gimmick. And they're borderline with it with um, Rollins and Ambrose and even KO. They're yeah. borderline with it with these guys, but it's not popping like Austin was. I mean, Austin had the yeah. right combination of. Redneck, badass, uh, smarmy. He had the right combination of things to really make it work. But well, he was also like that working class guy. Like everyone could relate yeah. to Austin. Uh, yeah. Like everyone wanted to stunner their boss, which is, it's actually, the stunner is a lame move. And that's partly why hardly anyone ever really does it. But yeah, Steve but it Austin becomes a great move when afterwards you're showering people with beer and doing the thing. And Yeah, Steve Austin doing the stunner. The whole part oh, yeah. of it, right? Yeah. Steve Austin doing the stunner is the greatest thing the since sh- sliced bread. The, yeah. The head shake is better PTA. than the move. Right? Hold uh, on. Don't we have someone that does an Austin impersonation on the show? No. Apparently, we can't pay him enough to do that anymore. So, whatever. It's all lawyers and bullshit. So, anyway. it's just – it was a good show. I think there's a lot of good stuff on there. The Usos – 
are definitely a big improvement over their stale act because now they're actually there's more character like <sighs> you see who they are but also they're I'm, ripping off uh pentagon dark they're definitely ripping yeah. off pentagon dark now and um what else what else what else there's something else i wanted to say well say it I, I fast because i'm about to end this show man yeah i love that ko is champ that's really cool i skip through nxt now who cares cwc tournament it was hilarious just hilarious to see zach saber jr and fucking kota ibushi lose it's like they go and they put on a great match and they go all right well i didn't sign a contract and they lie down yeah that's what happened i mean that's uh, what happened tjp great props to him for winning the cruiserweight title which by the way the belt is way better than that horrible looking stupid trophy and um you know, he's good. Uh, I hate WWE's the knee bar. Have one good looking belt. I hate the knee bar that him and Noam Dar uh, are using. It looks like they're just sort of hugging and sort of like rubbing their dick on the other guy's leg. Like, what are you doing? I get that there, there's an idea that you want to bend the knee the way it's not supposed to bend, but that's not what they're doing. And wrestling is fake. So it's not like you go, I don't get it, but that looks, that hurts apparently. It's like you need to make it look like it hurts more than it actually should well look we'll see if they can bring it to the big show and keep people's interest the tournament was great but uh to keep it on the big show it's gonna need uh the division's gonna need some work that's all i gotta say about it we'll see they may need to bring in some other guys that i have a feeling it's gonna fizzle and be match number three on uh really way too long raw for a long long time we shall see we just saw we just saw everyone wrestle in a tournament so and now we're just gonna yeah see it and there's not gonna be anything way. fresh about it for a while so it'll pop right the first couple times it comes out and people will be like oh look some guys who are running faster and not working rest holds the same way um well, well fucking see. finn balor finn balor was the you know was the raw champ um for a couple days he wrestles their style better than they do and then you have kevin owens he wasn't even the raw champ for a full 24 hours man that's true <laughs> but but you even have kevin owens who is their current champ can go up to any of them and out moonsault any of them anything that like generico sammy zane can do uh kevin owens can also do like he could do the thing where you're standing on the second rope and then you jump in 180 so you turn around and then immediately moonsault like he could do all this stuff and now you have a cruiserweight division um, on a show where your heavyweight division is doing all those moves, but better and the more over. Yeah. So people care about it more. Yeah. It's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Lucha Underground. Yeah. Um, this week was, this week's episode was great. That's all. It, to was. It. it was great. If you didn't watch it, you suck. You should watch it. Watch it. Um, get sling. Yeah. Like I, I'm tired of hearing people go, Oh, I really like wrestling, but I don't like, I'm sorry, man. Pay the 15 bucks a month or whatever for Sling. It's worth it. Yeah. Like, if I could put that right in Lucha Underground's pocket and they could beam it into my house, I would do that too. Get Sling. Go on get iTunes. Sling or get the episodes. Or if you're and in you another know, country, I, none of Even the iTunes thing, I'm sure, I'm sure Lucha likes the, people to do the iTunes thing, but you still have to wait. You can't yeah. watch it. Like, I'm saying, get Sling. Live tweet it with us. Watch the show. Like, oh, you know what? There's something else I was going to mention. I What's saw Stryker take a lot of crap for the WMD <laughs> commentary this week. Yeah. And I liked it, but I wonder if Stryker's an issue. I wonder if Stryker's holding the show back. 
I don't feel like he is personally, by the way. I don't. I think Stryker's awesome. But he's he's one of these figures that is polarizing to some people. Some people really remember Stryker at the chalkboard and WWE doing his teacher gimmick. And like I think they've taken his his heat to a, a, a bad place where they don't even give him a chance. Like what Stryker does on commentary to me is really good. Um, and he's got his own style and it is a little corny at times, but it works the way he does it with the yeah. commentary. And he got in almost every military reference he could, though. I don't know if I heard an apocalypse now one. There wasn't one. I think he dropped the ball with that, but he even tweeted, yeah. he even tweeted every military reference ever. It was great. And it's funny halfway through the match, he ran out of them and he just was calling the match, but it, it's good stuff. I, I that in, just that genuine enthusiasm, Stryker and Vampiro. I mean, they're kind of like misfits of wrestling announcer, wrestling announcers. Yeah, and what lead announcer right isn't a bit corny? I mean, are you telling me Giovanni wasn't corny? Are you telling me even Jr. wasn't? I mean, I know damn well. Uh, you know, th- these guys are not. They're the main straight guy announcer. They're supposed to be a little bit corny. Yeah. Like, no, it, I. I don't think you would love Vampiro like people love Vampiro now if it weren't for having him next to a Matt Stryker. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like Matt was taking unnecessary abuse. I thought he was really good on this episode. Maybe he needs to tone it down some. Maybe he needs to amp it up more. I don't know. Maybe he just needs to shoot in the middle of an episode one of these times and just set people straight. I think uh, people should get on the Twitter machine and let Stryker know that they appreciate his efforts. I do from time to time, and every time he throws something out that I pop for, I I, I tweet at him. He's all yeah, you know? he's great. I mean, it's one of those things. After the shows, we tweet at him and Vampiro and thank him for the great show. You know, because yeah, I mean, if they suck to me, but believe me, I wouldn't hesitate to say it either. And so, if people are really thinking that striker sucks, yeah, say it. Maybe they'll switch him out with somebody else. I doubt oh, it because guys like me love it and pop for it. But yeah, oh, it, it it's so easy to say that they suck. You know, it's just it's so easy, easy to say that a lot of things suck. It's, it's just, well, yeah, but also like knowing Stryker in the history, like you said, all that stuff lining up against him, it's just, it's so easy just to go, oh, sh- uh, he sucks on commentary uh, on this show. But, uh, you know, I think he doesn't suck, and that goes, that shows like how how well he does to fight, yeah. fight that uphill battle. Anyway. Hey, I got a question for you. Um, you bought me copies of Bola, right? All three days, mailed to my house. No, I have. I actually have uh, open one of my browser windows. I have the PayPal uh, checkout page for. Buy it so I can watch it already. I already know the the spoilers from the entire friggin' thing, but yeah. I mean, I can't no, believe I, it happened blocks away from my house and I couldn't go. So I want to see it. Um, I just I haven't followed through. I will follow through with buying them because it's twenty dollars a Blu-ray, and uh, my show right now is dancing on ABC. Yeah, so. so buy all three of them, and then I'll come over and watch it, so you feel like you got some value for your money. <laughs> no, will you, will you pay cover to walk into my home? <laughs> Ten bucks. I'll, I'll I'll bring you some Gatorade or something. I'll bring treats. Uh-huh. So you know, I don't I'm know not a terrible guess, but you're buying the shows. All right, guys, that's all we have time for today. I mean, we have time for a ton more. Me and Byron could do this for 17 hours straight if we needed to, but we won't because Josh Pillow will never even get through half of this anyway. So, we Josh, thank Alberto. you. though. He stopped listening and watching. I'm going to say, look, Josh, thank you for listening because if you actually got this far, you really deserve it. And most likely you're not hearing this at all. 
It was um, great to see you at Paley Center. Yeah. Um, shout outs to everyone who deserves shout outs. And there's a good million of them. Uh, by Lucha and Josh Kidd and Kevin Flynn and Josh Pillow and Alberto, of course, and Lucha Blog. Lucha Blog, of course, and Casey. And Cubs fan, Luch blog, yeah. Um, anybody else that needs a shout out this week? I want to give a shout out to my close personal friend Pentagon Junior. <laughs> I'm going to give a shout out to Mart Martin Cassius yeah. and uh, Strickland Shane. Those guys, those <laughs> are the. Shane. You got to look those guys up and tweet they're them here. and tell them how awesome WMD was because that was it, man. They they put it on the line for your entertainment, for my entertainment. Amazing match. Well done to everybody at Lucha Underground uh, involved in that match and Vampiro as well. All right, I'm out of here. Byron's out of here, whether you like it or not. Until next time, stay calm and stay in the mix. <laughs> <laughs>